Welcome to Hackstack, the show that gives you all the tips, tricks and advice you need to increase your productivity, lower your stress level and find ultimate purpose in life. All done, one simple step at a time. And now, here is your host, Koz. Well, Konnichiwa, fellow Hackstackers, and welcome to Hackstack, episode number eight. I am super excited to be here. Mainly because this is one of my favorite topics. Uh, Basically, it is the topic of goal setting. It's uh, critical when you're trying to chase your dreams and uh, do the things that you want to do in life. You know, have fulfillment and ultimate purpose, uh, all that good stuff. Goal setting is critical. And this is what I think is a little unique about this show. Um, Here we are, uh, eight episodes into this podcast, and this is the first time we're really going to dive into goals. You know, a lot of other personal development books that you read or things that you listen to or blogs on the internet, this is where they usually start, right? They usually start with how to set a goal. But not here. This is a show that's designed to build off each other. So each episode builds off of the previous episode. So I highly, highly recommend that you, uh, if you just started listening to this show, uh, you should probably stop right now. It's going to sound funny, but go back to episode one and start there and listen to these episodes chronologically. Uh, If you listen to just this episode, yes, sure, you will get something out of it. Uh, But like I said, this is where a lot of other places start, and we've done and laid a whole lot of other groundwork to get up to this point. We've talked about the importance of nourishing your mind. Uh, We've talked about the importance of every little decision you make, how incremental decisions really, really can add up to big, big things. So that's a concept from the slight edge. And just, just think about that one concept for a little bit. You could probably describe the entire premise of the slide edge in under 10 seconds. But yet listening to that entire book, you know, you've got two, three plus hours of audio material. You start to marinate on those ideas. You have the same idea communicated a hundred different ways and you never know which one is really going to click and resonate with you. Uh, That's why it's important to just kind of soak up these ideas you know, if, if you are cooking food and you needed to marinate it, you don't just stick it in there, let it soak for two seconds and take it out, right? You let it soak for hours, maybe even overnight, all right? And, and by the same token, when you listen to these audiobooks like The Slight Edge, you start to think about these same concepts, right? Um, but repetition is the father of learning. And it doesn't take a whole lot of scientific study to realize that us humans are a little slow and a little stupid at times. We have to hear the same things over and over and over again before it clicks. So that's why a book like The Slight Edge is so important. Okay, We also talked about setting up that first tiny domino and and setting yourself up for success and, and getting out of bed early in the morning. And, you know, making your bed, these are all symbols and all steps toward uh, creating the new you and creating the new normal. And we also spent a ton of time on why, why you do the things you do. And we also talked about habits and how those are so critical and so important. So all of this is groundwork that that's basically a simple way to say, 
you know, before you start setting goals, you really, really need to get your philosophy right. And uh, a lot of other places overlook that. And that's why I want to emphasize that so much. So we're basically cultivating the groundwork before we start to plant the seeds. And hopefully after you set some goals, you'll be able to reap the harvest. Once you understand how critical all those steps are, we're finally ready to start looking at goals. So to use a movie analogy, you know, if if you think about the, the movie Karate Kid back in the 80s, you know, everybody wants to beat the bad guy from Cobra Kai Dojo, right? They want to jump in. They want to learn how to do that, that fancy crane kick and kick him in the face and then be the hero of the movie. But everybody knows you got to learn the other steps first. Show me sand floor. Show me wax on, wax off. Catch! 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 <laughs> All right, so... If you don't know or haven't seen that movie, at least you heard some crazy screaming. Uh, that <laughs> uh, Being older now, that makes me laugh. But back in the 80s when I was a kid, that was like the coolest, most inspiring movie you could ever watch, right? Being, being a little skinny kid, taking out the, uh, the bad guy, and nothing beats that. But anyway, the point is sometimes you got to get stuff down that you don't quite see how it ties into everything else. And you won't quite see that until you kind of go through it. So Danielson from the movie, he doesn't know why he's waxing the car and painting the fence, but Mr. Miyagi shows him how that ties into karate. Now I don't actually think that would actually help you be a better karate student, but, but you get the point, right? Sometimes you, you learn stuff, um, a little out of order, but afterwards it, it makes a little sense. It makes a little more sense. So hopefully that's where we are at this point. Hopefully you're understanding how important it is to be consistent, uh, do the little things, uh, little things like get up early, get a good night's sleep, uh, nourish your mind, keep really, really high quality people around you to push you and to inspire you. And now we're going to finally talk about goals. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something you probably already know. And here, already this early in the episode, here is your earth-shattering hack for this episode for goal setting. Can you think of it? Okay, here it is. Write down your goals. There you go. You already know how to do it. You know the secret of goal setting. All right, you're an expert already. So, okay, so here's a question for you. Have you written any of your goals down? Here's a bigger question for you. Do you have at least one goal written down for each of the five F's? Family, friends, finances, faith, and fitness. Uh-oh. So maybe you do need some help with these goal-setting aspirations. So to set the mood for this episode, I'm going to play a clip that was actually just emailed to me uh, last week by a really good friend of mine. And it was a little bit uh, serendipitous, a little serendipity doodah day. I was uh, putting this exact episode uh, together, you know, goal setting. And my friend just sends me an email and it's a YouTube video. And usually when I get those uh, from this particular friend, I'll watch them. And usually they're like just really funny, like kind of stupid slapstick humor guy funny. And don't get me wrong, I love those kind of videos. 
but this one was actually pretty serious and inspiring. And then I clicked on it and I was like, this is the perfect clip to play for this episode. And clearly my friend is listening to this. Otherwise there would have been no other reason to send this specific clip because the clip is a clip uh, from the hip hop preacher, Eric Thomas. I didn't expect him to make a cameo, but this clip is, it's really short and it's really fitting and it really ties into to two things uh, that have been mentioned on Hackstack. Uh, the first one is the why. Is your why big enough? Okay, we talked about pro- pushing your purpose up the ladder in episode six and that's huge uh, about why you do things. And today we are talking about goal setting and this little clip is a little inspiring and it talks about both of these things. And Eric Thomas does this in the context of describing a Mike Tyson fight back in 1990. Uh, and this one when, when Mike Tyson was just destroying everybody. But then he comes up against an underdog, I think like a 42 to 1 underdog in Buster Douglas. And I remember this fight like it was yesterday. It, it was amazing. I actually think I had a bet with a friend that Buster Douglas would get knocked out within... Uh, the first two rounds, as was typical uh, during those days with the Mike Tyson fight. But anyway, take a listen to this, and we'll get the episode started right. You can write everything down if you want to. Be brave enough to write every one of your goals down. But I'm going to tell you something. Life's going to hit you in your mouth, and you got to do me a huge favor. Your why has to be greater than that knockdown. And I love it. Buster Douglas got knocked out. Nobody ever got knocked out by Mike Tyson and ever got back up. It was almost a 10 count. He was stumbling. They were four, three, two, one. Ding, ding, ding. Saved by the bell. He goes to his corner. The whole world is like, yep, that's it. Once he comes back out, that's it. Mike's going to just hammer him. And exactly that, Mike Tyson came out like, I got him. I got this kid up against the rope. Listen to me, many of you right now, life's got you up against the rope. You can't give up. You can't give in. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And if life's got you backed up, I need you to do what Buster Douglas did. Buster Douglas start fighting back. World was shocked. <gasps> Goliath has been knocked down. What happened? And they went to Buster Douglas and they asked Buster Douglas simply, like, what happened? And Buster Douglas said, listen to me, it's real simple. Before my mother died, she told the whole world that I was gonna beat Mike Tyson. And two days before the fight, my mother died. Buster Douglas had he had a decision to make. When his mother died, he could die with his mother, or he made a decision, I can wake up and I can live for mom. And he knocked Mike Tyson out simply because his why was greater than that punch. His why was greater than defeat. His why was greater than his trial and his tribulation. And I'm telling you, if you don't know what your why is and your why isn't strong, you're going to get knocked out every single day. Ooh, man, that just gives me goosebumps listening to that talk. Something else, man. Something about how he phrases things, man. His why for fighting back was greater than Mike Tyson's punch, man. That's good stuff right there. Okay, so let's start to dig into this topic of goals. And the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to just play a bunch of clips from a bunch of different people on their take of what it means to set goals and what steps you need to take. 
And again, you'll probably hear the same common facts over and over again. But like I mentioned before, it's good to it's good to have these topics repeated because one speaker may resonate a little bit more with you than the other. So I'll try and mix it up, and hopefully uh, by doing that, we'll drive the the point home of how to set a good solid goal. And as a preface to all these clips, I'm going to start with another short clip. Uh, it is by John Acuff from his book Start. We've played one of his clips before, but I like how he sort of breaks down uh, the differences and how different people set goals. So I'm going to play this clip and then I'm going to mention just a couple things about it and then we'll dig in a little deeper after that. So check this one out. You need to be a student of you. Don't walk down this road to awesome as if you've never been awesome before. You have. You've succeeded at something. Something came naturally. Something worked. How can you apply that to this? If you were able to stick to a diet for six months, how did you do it? What about that experience overlaps with your new road to awesome? If you've had success at work, even if you don't love your job, what are the things you can learn from that experience? What skills came out shining? We usually don't take enough time to study ourselves. Subsequently, we learn the same things over and over again. Or worse than that, we discount everything we've learned for the latest technique exposed in a book. That's one of the greatest presumptions of many business and self-help books. They tend to have a one-size-fits-all approach. There's often that section or specific chapter about goal setting that involves an incredibly complicated, detailed list and a system of checks and balances that exceeds that of the U.S. Treasury. Of course, the approach worked perfectly for the author, because she's an incredibly detailed, organized person. But maybe that's the absolute worst approach for you. Maybe you're a painter, not a mathematician. But because the book says, in order to set goals, you have to set them this way, you give it a try. Everything about your previous 30 years on the planet indicates that you will not do well with a complicated checklist approach. But the book says, this is the only way. You try it for a day or a week or a month, and it doesn't take. You then assume you're lousy at goal setting and quit. But maybe you're a bird reading a book about how to be a fish. You can discipline yourself all you want, gather as much willpower as is available to you, but it's not going to matter. You've got wings, not fins. The solution to this problem is to share principles that are true of everyone and applications that are flexible. As we continue to march down the road to awesome, that's what we're going to do. The five stages, for instance, are true for everyone. The road to awesome always travels through them. However, the method you use to travel from one destination to the next will be determined by your own experience, what you're made of, what you desire, and what you've done to this point. Measure each action we discuss against what you know to be true of yourself. Be a student of you, and then choose your own means of travel through these stages. I can only describe their existence and offer suggestions on traversing them that has worked for me and other travelers I've met along the way. The point is not that you copy exactly what I've done. The point is that you take the principles, customize them to what you know of yourself, and keep moving through the lands. Do this and you will be able to make progress. Continue along this and you will reach your version of awesome many times in your lifetime. Okay, there's a lot of good information in that short clip. 
the first thing, you need to be a student of you. The other thing is you did something or accomplished something in your past. Just reflect back on that. What did you do successfully when you do that? And just think that in mind. Uh, keep that in mind as you're starting to set your goals. Uh, but the main thing I really, really want you to take from that clip is the concept that uh, all these principles are true for everyone. It's just the applications that are flexible. So the concept that's true for everyone is basically you can't reach your destination if you don't know where you're going, right? So a goal is that destination. Where do you want to go? You want to go from point A to point B. Well, if you don't know where point B is, you're just going to float adrift in the ocean. You know, any destination that you've been to multiple times you know, if you go to work every day, if you go to school every day, you know that route inside and out. You don't need to think about it. You just go. You hop in the car and you go. So you've already been there. You don't need a map. But if you're going somewhere new, if you're going somewhere different that you've never been before, you definitely need a map. These goals are hopefully outside of your comfort zone and there's some place you want to be that you haven't been there yet. So that's why Almost every person you talk to about goal setting tells you to write it down. The writing down is the equivalent of a map. So just keep that in mind as you listen to these clips. Um, you're going to hear a lot of similarities and, and steps needed to accomplish goals, but you're also going to hear some subtle differences. And just be aware of that. Use discernment and, and pick the stuff that you think will work best for you. So this first clip is by Lewis Howes. He's the podcaster uh, on the School of Greatness. I don't know if you remember him. He was the one that interviewed uh, Eric Thomas, the hip-hop preacher, back in episode number two. And this time, he is actually just freestyling. He doesn't have a guest on the show. He's just talking about how he sets his goals. And it's a really, really interesting clip. It it really resonates with me because because he has a uh, how he has conversations he asks a whole lot of questions and uh, he even says he's a little intense sometimes and I think I, I kind of cross the line sometimes when I start to talk to people even people I don't really know if, if it goes down this path I start to ask uh, a lot of questions anyway I, I can just relate he tells a story about how he he met someone new who wanted to be a doctor but really didn't quite know what field he wanted to practice in and, and what he wanted so <laughs> he just peppers him with questions and I'm trying to picture that conversation in my head um, and it, it makes me laugh because I've had similar conversations with people before okay so let's check out this clip that deals with goals clarity here we go about vision and about discovering what you want. And there's a problem in the world. The problem in the world is that so many people out there don't know what they want in their lives, in anything. And it stresses me out just to be around people. Actually, I should take that back. It doesn't stress me out, it inspires me. It inspires me to evoke and ask questions, to support people in discovering what it is they actually want. And I've always, I feel like I've always known what I've wanted. Let's say not for my entire life. You know, I don't know what I want uh, specifically in the next 50 years. Um, I have kind of a vague idea of what I want, but I know specifically what I want over the next couple of years. And I'm very clear about it. And it shifts and it changes. And uh, once I achieve what I want, I come up with new visions and new wants and new desires. So 
I want to I want to share with you guys a story real quick. What happened? I was out to dinner with my girlfriend last night, and we were meeting with a couple of her friends, another couple, and uh, her, her one of her good friends, his name is uh, Steve. He is a really cool guy, and he's in grad school to be a doctor of physical therapy. And he was, uh, I was like, you know, Steve, what do you, you know, I'm meeting him for the first time. And uh, sometimes I can be kind of intense with people for the first time. I like, I like to ask a lot of like evoking questions and probing questions to discover like how they're going to achieve greatness. And it could be a little intimidating, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm all about evoking and figure out how people can reach the next level. That's really what excites me. So that's the questions I ask. And so I'm asking Steve, I'm like, so what is it you want? And, uh, you know, he's gonna be a doctor of physical therapy in the next six months. And I was like, what do you want to do afterwards? You know, what's, what's the dream? And he goes, you know, I'm not really sure. You know, I get, it's, it's a similar response I get from a lot of people. I'm not really sure what I want. And I said, well, if you could have anything, what would you want? You know, if, if you could have it all, what would it be? And he was talking about being a physical therapist in the, with the military and the benefits that would come with that and how it could support his family and things like that. And I was like, cool. Was that really what you want or is, is there anything else? And he's like, well, you know, I used to be a football coach. So I'd love to have like uh, work on a pro sports team and be a physical therapist for a pro sports team and work on these great athletes. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Is that really what you want? And he goes, well, actually, it's probably be a lot of hours, probably like 80 hours a week. And I'd have to work my way up and it'd be a lot of time and energy. So that's just one option. That's like plan B or C. And I was like, okay, well, what is it you really want? And he was like, well, it'd be really cool to have my own practice by the beach and, and work like five hours a day and then be able to be there for, to support my family. But I don't know if that's possible. Okay. I was, and I, so I said, okay, so what is it you really want, Steve? Let's get, let's get real here. If you could have it all, what do you want? And he kept going on in all these different options. And again, I say it frustrated me, but it really inspired me to support and evoke questions for him to see what was possible and see what was possible when he got clear on a vision for what he wanted. When he got clear on just being specific with specifics in our life, we're able to figure out uh, by when. So we're able to get clear on what we want and by when. If we just say, I want to make a million dollars, well, if you don't give it a time frame, if you don't say by when, by January 1st of next year, by, you know, in five years, March, you know, 16th on my birthday in five years, whatever it may be, if you're not specific, then it's going to be really challenging to work backwards and figure out the action steps necessary to achieving that goal, that mission, that dream, whatever it is, that want that you have, that desire. So success really starts with a clear vision of what you want. Achieving whatever you want starts with a clear vision of what that is with a timeline. Now, this may seem very basic. You may have heard this many times before about goal setting or things like that, but there's a, there's a lot that goes along with this. You've got to be clear on the distinctions of what you want, the vision of what you want, but then you've got to also take other steps. And these other steps are, are crucial. So what I want to go through with you guys is something I go through with a lot of my one-on-one students or, or group students that I have who uh, pay a, a high fee for one-on-one consulting with me. And we always start with, what do you want? What's the main goal? If it's business, we start with a number because that's easy to quantify and say, okay, there's this number that we want to achieve, whether it's a uh, hundred new sales by a certain date, whether it's, I want to make $20,000 a month starting in four months at this date, whatever it is, it's easier in business to quantify 
and give a timeline and work backwards. And so that's why a lot of I have a lot of students that make a lot of money because when they get clear on what they want, it's so easy to figure out the pieces to put it in place to move forward in achieving that goal. So you got to figure out what you want first, or you'll be given whatever others didn't want that was left over. Okay. Let me say that again. You've got to figure out what you want first, or you'll be given whatever others didn't want that was left over. So to give an example back to Steve, you know, unless Steve gets very clear on what he wants, and again, I'm a, I know he's going to get what he wants. It's just when he gets clear, then he'll be able to make it happen. If he doesn't get clear on what he wants, let's just say he's got all these different options, but he actually doesn't go after one of them. He doesn't do whatever it takes. He doesn't hustle. He doesn't build the relationships. He doesn't find the mentor. He doesn't do all these things I'm going to talk about. Then he's going to be given whatever others didn't want that was left over. So again, he's going to be given whatever others didn't want. So if he really wants to be a, you know, a physical therapist on a pro sports team, but if he isn't clear on that, then he's going to be given a different job of whatever's left over that other people aren't competing for. Do you guys see what I'm saying? And that's kind of what I'm, I see in a lot of people who are reaching out to me online, who are emailing me, who are uh, part of my, my my mastermind group in the School of Greatness Academy when they get started out, they're kind of left with these leftovers, let's say. They're kind of left with like the scraps. They're left with like stuff that they're not excited about that doesn't really taste that good. That's like kind of scrappy and got some extra bones in it. You know, they're not left with like, they don't, they don't get the good meat. They don't get the, the, you know, the veal. They don't get the uh, filet mignon. They get kind of like the scraps. That's like, not even scraps from today's meal. It's like yesterday's meal, right? It's like kind of moldy and stinky and like just tastes really nasty and gets caught in your throat and you have to like spit it up. It's just like not the good stuff that's exciting that's like inspires us to take on life and to take on our relationships and have fun and be passionate about what we're up to. And that's the challenge I see when a lot of people in the world is that they're stuck in situations that they're not completely fulfilled by. They're not completely passionate about they and then they say well it pays the bills and it has to i have to support my family so i have to do this i have to do this job because it supports me and it pays for you know i've got three kids i have to do this and what would life be like if you were able to create the exact job the exact position the exact business the exact lifestyle around what you're up to uh in making money what if you could have it all what if you could do what you wanted, spend time with the people you loved, support the people you love, and make a living around what you love to do, a full-time living around what you love to do. That's what I'm up to, and that's what we're up to today. It's about starting with a clear vision and a clear want with a timeline of when you want to have it and when you want to create it, okay? So what I like to do, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of an insider um, exercise right here about how to discover this want and how to create this want and this this goal. And I want you guys to, this is something I do with, again, a lot of my students. I start off with this exercise. It's called the perfect day exercise. So I want you guys to get out a blank piece of paper. I'm going to give you kind of like a brief overview of this perfect day exercise. I'm not going to go into it in full detail. I do inside the School of Greatness Academy. So I've got hundreds of members in there right now who are, 
creating and achieving the life of their dreams, their finances, their relationships, their lifestyle through going through a lot of these exercises. If you want to be on the wait list for the next uh, round, the next enrollment, the next academy enrollment, it's at schoolofgreatness.com. You can sign up for the wait list, which will open up here in about a few months. But I want to give you guys a kind of a brief insider of what we go over. And it's called the perfect day exercise. So I want you to get out a piece of paper or open up your iPhone and uh, take out the notes section. If you're driving, then, uh, you know, don't do this right now. <laughs> Come back to this or pull over on the side of the road and, and set this out. But I really want you to come back to this as soon as possible if you're driving. So, so listen along right now and then come back to this and follow through in it because this could, this could be one of the most powerful 10 minutes of your life if you do this. Every time one of my students goes through this exercise, they always tell me that so much opens up for them and that it's one of the most powerful things they've ever done for themselves to realize what it is they actually want. Okay, so I'm going to walk you through this really quickly. It's called the perfect day exercise. Now, there's two parts to this exercise. The first part, what I want you to do is write about a paragraph or two down. And you can type this up on your computer, again, your iPhone, or you can write it down. So I want you to write down a paragraph or two of what your ideal perfect day looks like. Now, your perfect day, you know, is going to change. It's not going to be the same thing every single day. If you did the same thing every single day and had the same conversation, had the same meal every single day, went to the same restaurant, life would get boring. So it's going to, it's going to evolve and it's going to change. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be the same thing every single day. But I want you to just imagine for a moment what your perfect day looks like, what it looks like, what it feels like, what it tastes like, what experience you have, what your thoughts are your emotions, your conversations. So I want you to imagine this for a moment. And then you're going to write down what your perfect day looks like in about a paragraph or two. You can get as detailed as want as you want. You can, you can make it a whole page if you want or a couple pages. Uh, but just to kind of get the exercise started, start with about a paragraph or two. So I'm going to give you an example. Mine would kind of look like this. I would, I would write something like this down. And I have one written down, but I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to go off the cuff here. My perfect day would start like this. I wake up next to the woman of my dreams, and my heart is so full of love because I can't believe how much she loves me and how incredible of a relationship we're building together and we're creating every single day and the fun and the joy that we have. And I'm so blessed and grateful for that moment. Then I wake up, you know, play with my, my girlfriend, have fun, we cook breakfast together. Then I go out and do a workout and get ready for the day. So I do an intense workout. It might be a run. It might be a lift. It might be a, a kickboxing class. And then I go and uh, I check in with my team and I check in on what we're up to and creating in the world and how we're serving the, the mission of my company, which is to serve a hundred million people to make a full-time living doing what they love how to serve 100 million people to make a full-time living doing what they love. And I check in with my team and I create with them and engage and I create content and I'm connecting with influencers. I'm reaching out to friends and I'm following through on my mission, which is to serve 100 million people. Then I come back and I reconnect with my, my lady. We do 
a workout together or some type of activity together. We cook dinner or we go out. Then we connect with friends later in the evening, have an incredible night and go back to bed. So that's kind of like what I would write down as a brief of what my perfect day looks like, kind of like a brief overview. Okay. And then the second part, and in this description, you can talk about like how it feels, what it looks like, you know, what it tastes, be descriptive, really paint the picture for yourself of what your perfect day is. You know, again, really be descriptive here, explore the possibilities. If anything is possible, write it down. That's what I want you guys to do. It could be traveling. It could be I'm constantly traveling. I'm with my family. I'm doing this. Whatever it seems like unrealistic, feel free to write that down. If it scares you, that's what you need to write down. Okay. So the second part to this is I learned this from sports. A lot of things that I do, guys, is comes from my sports background, and I apply the things that I learned from my coaches in all these different sports I played. I played uh, football, soccer, basketball, track, and baseball in, in high school. And then I played three sports in college. And then I played uh, professional football. And then now I'm playing uh, on the USA national team for team handball. So I've played lots of different sports. I've had many different coaches. I've played all over the world uh, in these sports. So I've picked up a lot of different things from many different coaches. And what I learned is how to apply this to kind of my life and how to make my life a sport, right? And um, how to play the game, really. If life is a game, then how can you win? And how can you make sure everyone wins around you? And this is all I've been trying to do is learning new things and constantly exploring and testing and, and applying what I've learned from my other experiences in sports and applying it to business and relationships and giving back and serving and, and adding value to the world. And that's what I'm up to. Okay, so the second part of this is an itinerary. So your perfect day itinerary. Now in football, we had an itinerary every day of practice. The greatest coaches at least had this for us. And it would be in our locker before we got to the locker room after school, we would go and there would be an itinerary printed off and handed to, or just like sitting in our locker, right? So right when we get there, I put my book bag down, start putting on my gear and changing, putting the pads in. And then I would look at the itinerary and go over it and see what we're going over today to prepare myself, Right. So I know exactly what we're gonna hap- what's gonna happen next, and then what to get ready for, and uh, you know, and make sure that I go over the plays that I that I need to cover for today's uh, exercises and uh, practice slots, right? And just be ready. And so, kind of have like an agenda of what I'm gonna do. Because if I don't set an agenda and if I don't have an itinerary for each day, then how am I gonna achieve what I want? And specifically in business, it's really hard to achieve what you want. Once you discover what you want, it's hard to achieve it if you don't have a detailed map, a detailed game plan, a detailed itinerary of the step-by-step process and the reverse engineering of how you're going to get there, okay? And the reason we had an itinerary every day is because we had a goal for each week and for the entire season that we had written up on the chalkboard in the, the locker room. The whole team created these goals together. And so our coaches said, this is our team. We're going to have goals, and then we're going to do whatever it takes to get those goals. Our coaches set us up for success by giving us a daily plan to reverse engineer to achieve what we wanted to achieve each week, which is a victory, and then at the end of the season, which was going to the playoffs. That was the plan. If we did not create the step-by-step, very detailed, outlined itinerary, then we were going to be given whatever others didn't want 
that was left over. Again, we were going to be given whatever others didn't want that was left over, which means losing because no one wanted to lose. So if we didn't plan to win, we were going to be given that. Okay. And this is kind of like the same thing. If you're, uh, if you're not clear on what you want and you don't game plan every single day and have the coaches and, and the itinerary on how to get there, you're going to be given whatever others didn't want that was left over. Okay. Whatever job, whatever money or income, you know, you're going to be given government support, whatever's left over, you're going to be given that. And that's what you're going to be living with. Okay. So you got to be very, very clear. I hope this is resonating with people. All right. So the second half is the itinerary. Now, in the first half of the perfect day exercise, you wrote down what your day looks like. You've expressed it. You were detailed. Now, in the second part, you're going to be detailed to the hour. So from the, hour, the moment you wake up, let's say 7 a.m., you're going to write what happens from 7 to 8 and then 8 to 9, 9 to 10. You're going to go through all the way through the day until you go to sleep and you're going to write down sleep whenever that is, 10 o'clock, midnight, whatever, okay? And if it's half-hour increments, then you're going to write every half hour. Whatever it is, you're going to write that in. If there's a four-hour window, you're going to write work from 9 to noon, okay? And you're going to be very detailed about what you're going to be creating. So the perfect day itinerary is so valuable because you've just descriptive and you're visual and you're writing out these um, you know, descriptions of what your perfect day looks like. If you don't have the step-by-step time markers of what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be doing it, then it's probably not going to happen. It's just going to be this fantasy you think about, and maybe some parts of it will happen, but not the whole perfect day. So again, you want to apply these lessons, these exercises. Again, this is something I learned from sports. It's not something I created. It's just something that I learned and put together and facilitated for my life and for students to reach their success. Okay, so be very detailed. So the first half of the page is going to be uh, you exploring what you want, writing it out, expressing it, how you want to feel, what it looks like, how it tastes, you know, where you're traveling to, who you're spending time with, those types of things. Then you're going to be very detailed for the hour by hour what happens throughout the day. I want you guys to do this right now. Like write this down and do this right now. And maybe some of you are even listening and doing this right now. And if you are doing this, I would actually love to see a one page. I want you to take a photo of this and I want you to post it on Instagram and tag me at Lewis house and put a hashtag perfect day. I want you to tag me, upload this to Instagram and tell people what your perfect day looks like and what you want. Another part to achieving what you want and making it a reality is putting it out there to the world and telling people and letting people know what your goals are, what your vision is, what your want is, being clear on it so that you can be held accountable by your peers, by your community, by your family. When you are very clear and you put this out there, it's going to, you know, make you say, okay, now I got to step up and do this. And again, we put our goals up on the chalkboard and we would announce it, right? The whole team knew what it was and we announced it and we kept each other accountable. This is our goal. This is what you said you wanted. This is what we said we wanted. We got to do the work to make it happen. Let's go, right? So I want you to post a picture on Instagram. So write this out right now. The first half of the page is describing what your perfect day looks like, what it entails. You know, it's more, it's more broader terms like... I'm doing these things. I'm hanging out with these people, these friends. This is how I'm feeling. And then the second half is very 
very detailed, right? It's like hour by hour, here's what happens from 7 a.m. to midnight. Here's what I'm doing. So I want you to write it on a big piece of paper, my perfect day at the top, and then write a paragraph or two uh, right just below that, describing what it looks like, what it feels like. Then below that, you're going to put your hour markers from you know 7 a.m. to midnight, what happens every hour, what you're going to be doing to make that a reality, the action steps to make that reality, okay? And then you're going to do the next step, which is post it out there on Instagram. Tag me so I can see it at Lewis Howes and hashtag perfect day because I want to see what you guys are up to and I'm going to keep you accountable as well. I'm going to check in on some of you and make sure that you're actually following through with this, okay? Biggest thing is people need someone to check in with them, make sure they're accountable. So I want you to do that. Now, there's another part to this. It's writing up a specific goal and framing it. So you've got your perfect day, or what your day looks like, okay? You got your perfect day, you put it out there. Now you kind of get a better sense. And by doing this exercise, you should really see, you know, if what you're doing right now, are you living your perfect day? If not, why are you not living your perfect day every day? Why are you not living your perfect day every single day? And again, it's going to evolve. It's going to change. It's not going to be the same thing every day. So don't think of it like that. Think of it as a, a guideline of what it should be feeling like, what it should be looking like. But when you write this out, ask yourself, am I living this every single day right now? Am I living the spirit of this perfect day exercise every single day? If you're not living the spirit of the exercise, why not? We really only, uh, you know, not really only, we only have one chance at this life that we know of. There's, you know, not another life that we're aware of or that we're going to, you know, that I'm aware of at least. Maybe there is, but there's only really one chance at this life that you have. And once it's over, you don't have another chance at this specific life. So if we have the possibility and the opportunity to live our ideal day every single day, then why aren't we doing it? And why aren't we taking the steps to do it? And maybe it's not going to happen right away. And maybe it's going to take a couple years to happen. But at least we can work towards it. And at least we can support ourselves to get there faster. And then once we get there, we can help others get there as well. Again, it's not about keeping it for ourselves so that we live an awesome life or have a perfect day. It's about giving back and supporting others around us so everyone is lifted up to a higher standard, a higher level, and a higher greatness, okay? So the next step to this is writing one specific goal, one specific tangible goal. Uh, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to make $5,000 on a speech. I want to you know, sell a book deal for a million dollars. Whatever it is, I want you to come up with a specific goal. Most of you have business goals because most of you are entrepreneurs who listen to the show or are launching a product or something. But if it's a relationship goal, that's fine as well. If it's a health goal, that's fine as well. It's got to be very specific though. You got to be, it's got to be tangible and specific. So I'll give you an example. And again, this is what I did back in high school and college. I would write up my goals and then I would frame them and I'd put them right above, you know, when I was in a college dorm, I would put them right above my, uh, you know, my bunk bed so that I could, uh, you know, I could see it every time I went to bed and every time I woke up. And then, uh, you know, after school, I'd put it just next to my mirror in my bathroom and I'd look at it constantly when I go to the bathroom, right? So I'll give you an example. I was terrified of public speaking. Once I got done playing professional football, you know, I got injured. So a lot of you who know my story, I was injured and had to sleep on my sister's couch for about a year and a half while I was recovering from a surgery. 
and I was in this full arm cast for six months. It was just a, not a fun experience. You know, I look back at it as one of the best experiences of my life for what I learned, but it was definitely a struggle and I was, you know, just uncertain about so much of my life. What was my life going to be about at this point? You know, my dream was over. So I had to, a new dream. I said, you know, I'm terrified to speak in public, but I'm really inspired by guys who can just command or ladies who can command a stadium or a large audience. You know, someone like Tony Robbins can just command a stadium of thousands and thousands of people and get them excited and off their feet to take action. And I thought, man, if, you know, if I could do that, if I could inspire people to see what was possible, then take action and actually make it happen. That's making an impact when you're causing other people to make a change in their life to get better. That's making an impact. And I said, you know, that'd be awesome to be able to do, but I'm terrified. I can't even speak in front of five people without stum uh, stuttering over my words, stumbling over my words, uh, without feeling insecure, feeling stupid. You know, I had a, a, a major learning disability my entire life. I was always in the special needs classes in elementary school, middle school, and high school. When I went to a private high school, I was, uh, they gave me, a, I had to do special testing before I could get in. And they said I had a second grade reading level when I went to eighth grade. So they put me in the special reading tutor class with was a one-on-one -on -one with a tutor every single day when other kids were off doing like recess and, and stuff like that. I had to learn to read because I had a really uh, challenge reading my entire life. And it's still, you know, a challenge sometimes today. And I have a challenge reading out loud without messing up words. And I have a challenge spelling. So I had these, these challenges. And I remember thinking it would be awesome to be able to overcome this challenge and speak in public. And it'd be even cooler if I could get paid to do it. What if I could share my story and get paid to do it? And I remember saying to myself, you know what? I've never spoken in public before except for the, my high school uh, senior speech that I had to do, and it was terrifying. And I said, in a year, I want to make $5,000 to do a speech. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but this is my goal. So I put a specific date down. I said, I'm just going to test this out and see if what I learned in sports I can apply to my life. And so I put down a $5,000 speech, and I put down the date right below it, and I signed it. And it was like a year away from the date that I was signing it, right? So I, what I did is I framed this. I put it up on my wall. So it was like a certificate. It was like this award that I had been awarded $5,000 on this date for giving a speech. And um, I awarded myself, right? So I want you guys to think about this. And I want you guys to do this. I want you to think of a big goal that you want to achieve within the next six months or the next year. And I want you to write it down and frame it and then sign it with the date of when it's going to be achieved, like it's in a certificate you're giving yourself. And what I did is I started reaching out to people who had made, who were making money speaking. Uh, the only way to make it happen is to find other people who are doing it. And then I started researching about public speaking. I started reading books. I started watching uh, public speaking videos online. And I was watching like the world championships of public speaking. And I was just like fascinated and blown away by these guys on how commanding they were on stage and their presence and their storytelling and their just everything about them was so inspiring and passionate and unrolling. It just made me sit on the edge of my seat. I said, God, it'd be so awesome to do that someday. I want to do that. Right? So what I did is a, a, a friend of mine, I'll never forget this. I was in Barnes and Noble, Columbus, Ohio, Easton shopping mall. For anyone who knows Columbus, Ohio, they know of Easton shopping mall sitting in the Barnes and Noble 
near the window, near the entrance. And I'm sitting there, I'm talking to a, a friend of mine, Felix, who was uh, a salsa dancing guy that I would met up, met up with salsa dancing every now and then and became friends through salsa. And when I learned he was a motivational uh, public speaker, professional speaker, I said, hey man, can we catch up for, for coffee someday? I want to learn about how you do this. And so since I already had that connection and bond with him through salsa, we had that kind of uh, experience together. He was happy to, to connect with me. And I said, dude, how do you do it? How do you make money speaking? Like, I'm terrified. He said, first off, you got to go to Toastmasters. Toastmasters is what changed the game for me. And it's what gave me the confidence to be able to speak in front of people. And I said, I've never, I've never heard of Toastmasters. I was like, what is this? He goes, it's a international community where there's clubs all around the world and you join and people and they teach you how to become a better public speaker. He said, the first thing you got to do is sign up. And so I just trusted him. I said, okay, if this is how you're going to do it, I'm going to go do it. So next week I, I found like five different Toastmasters clubs in Columbus, Ohio. And I went to each one. I wanted to see what they were like. I went as a guest to each one and I wanted to see what they were like, where, who the best speakers were in the, in the city. And I was like, I'm going to go find the one that's got like the scariest for me, which was the best speakers and they're all making money. And I, and I found that one and it was so intimidating. You know, I was like this 23 or 24 year old punk with a huge cast on. They were all, you know, thirties and forties speaking all over the country. One guy had his book on Oprah. Like, and I was just like, man, I'm out of my league here, but that was exactly what I needed to get up to that league was to be exposed to it and to just make mistakes over and over in front of that league to get that feedback, to be around it, to be hearing them, to be watching them, to immerse myself in what they were creating was such a powerful experience for me. And so at the end of the year, I went there every single week and I gave 10 speeches in the year. And I went from being so paralyzed, reading off and I would type out my entire speech and work on it for weeks. And then I would read word for word off a piece of paper. This is how bad of a public speaker I was. I would stand behind the podium, look down the entire time and read off the paper. And I felt so embarrassed and I felt so ignorant and so lame and stupid uh, but I knew that I needed to go through the pain of humility and embarrassment to get to where I wanted to be, which was a confident public speaker on stage and taking my public speaking to the next level. And gratefully, uh, you know, they were supportive of me just fumbling around my words and looking like an idiot. They were supportive and gave me great feedback and no one was negative, really. They were just like, here's what you can work on. And so each week I came back and I came back and I was like, starving for feedback and hungry to get to the next level. So I just put myself through the pain every single time. And wouldn't you know that just after the year mark, I got a $5,000 speech and it was a testament to putting a goal out there, framing it, then working backwards, creating the itinerary for myself to go each, every week, having the structure, the support system and everything I needed to get to the goal. Now it didn't happen on the specific date. It happened like a month later or something or a couple months later, but it happened. And you know, sometimes when I put my goals and frame them, it doesn't all happen on the date. Sometimes it happens before the date. Sometimes it's even bigger and better, but I'll tell you what, I set myself up to win by making the intention, putting it out there, framing it, looking at it every single day, then having the itinerary to back it up and take the action steps. So you got to get clear on what you want. And success starts with a clear vision of what it is you want. 
And this may shift. This may change. If you're in college, you may want a job with, uh, when you're done with college right now. But maybe once you get the job in a year, you're going to realize that's not what you want anymore. So things are going to shift. They're going to evolve. They're going to change. That's okay. And that's good. You want to have change. But it starts with a clear vision of what you want. And you got to figure out exactly, specifically what you want first. Or you'll be given whatever others didn't want that was left over, okay? I can't emphasize this enough. You'll be given whatever others didn't want that is left over in the world, in the universe. Whatever's left over, you're gonna be given that and you're gonna receive that and that's what you're gonna get and it's not gonna be what you want. So you gotta be very, very clear, okay? Then uh, I want you guys, again, to write out your perfect day. So here's a recap of what we're covering today. You gotta be clear on what you want, very, very clear. Then you're gonna write out your perfect day. So in broad terms, a paragraph or two, what it looks like, what it feels like, who you're spending time with. The second half of the paper on the perfect day, you're going to write out your itinerary, specifically hour for hour from when you wake up to when you go to sleep, what you're doing, uh, what you're doing to take action to make that perfect day a reality. You know, you've got to back it up with action. You can't just talk about it or dream about it. You've got to do it now. You've got to take the massive action and be consistent so that it's repeated. Then I want you guys to write up a very specific goal in your business or your life or your health or relationships that you want to achieve in the next 6 to 12 months. Be specific. Write the date of when it's achieved by. Sign it. Frame it. Put it up on your wall, wherever you're going to look at it the most throughout your day, on your bathroom, on your, in your bedroom, wherever it may be, and you're going to look at that. Then I want you guys to post on Instagram at Lewis Howes and hashtag perfect day, what your perfect day is, post a picture of it on Instagram and let other people know, hey guys, I, I did this cool exercise called the perfect day and I just wanted to put this out there because uh, this is how I want to live my life and I, I want you guys to keep me accountable. Here's what it looks like. Here's what I'm spending time with. Here's what I'm up to uh, most of those days to create this. Now, now keep me accountable. If you see me slack on this, let me know and, uh, and I appreciate the feedback. Put that out there. Find yourself a mentor, guys. We just did a, a show on mentorship, episode number 100. This is uh, episode number 103. We just did one on mentors and finding a mentor. You've got to have a mentor. Again, I had a mentor when I was doing public speaking to help me get to my goal. You've got to have one. It's just going to be that much harder. I had a mentor when I was learning to salsa dance. You know, I'd meet with him a couple times a week, and he'd go over all of these different moves and combinations for me to learn. You got to have a mentor. I can't emphasize that enough. Go to lewishouse.com slash 100 to listen to the episode about how to find and discover and connect with powerful mentors that will change your life forever. Okay. And then you got to take massive, massive action and hustle more than anyone else. You got to shift, adjust, be so inspiring, passionate, and enrolling that you bring others along with you to support you in your goal. You've got to have a team. You've got to have a support system. If you try to do it all alone, it's going to feel very weighted. It's going to feel very heavy, stressful. You're going to feel lonely. So don't do it all alone. Find people to support you, family. Hire people to support you uh, in your business. You know, Hire people in your health, coaching you to achieve the, the fitness levels you want, the weight you want, the, the lifestyle you want. I hire people constantly to coach me in relationships, in business, in my life, in my sports. You know, I'm constantly hiring people uh, to support whatever goals and dreams I have. So these are some of the, the tips and strategies for really getting clear on what you want, finding and discovering the clear vision, and then making it happen. And success starts with that clarity 
and being clear. And if you don't know what you want, then start with the perfect day of how you want to feel and what you want your perfect day to look like. And once you figure that out and you just write it out, here's what I want to be doing. I want to be on the beach. I want to be traveling. I want to be spending time. I want to be giving back, you know, writing it out. I want to be with loved ones. That's going to support you in discovering clear vision of what you want. Okay. Now, Success starts with a clear vision of what you want. I can't emphasize this enough. And there are so many friends that I have out there who constantly ask me, you know, what can they do? Uh, but really got to know what you want first before you can get what, what it is you want. Okay. It doesn't taking action before knowing what you want is useless. You got to get clear on what you want, at least for the next week, at least for the next month, for the year, before you graduate, before the job is up, whatever it may be, be clear and then take action on that. Okay, there was a lot of good information in that clip. Uh, I really like the perfect day exercise that can help you focus in on a few things that are important to you. Um, I like the saying he goes, um, if you don't set goals, You'll be given what others didn't want. You'll be given what's left over. And just the fact that you could get someone else's scraps, you know, someone else that's planning and you're not and they're beating you to the punch, uh, just the competitive nature of of you. Hopefully that doesn't sit well with you and hopefully that motivates you to take some action. Uh, that was just a unique saying that I had never really heard before. Oh, and that reminds me, uh, there, there is a really famous study about uh, Harvard MBA graduate program in 1979. And I think I'll try and put this in the show notes. Um, if you read any sort of goal books, this is usually mentioned multiple times in these books. But here's the long and short of it. In, in 1979, they asked this graduating class from Harvard. Uh, here was the, the question that they asked. They took a survey. And they asked, have you set clear written goals for your future and made plans to accomplish them? Okay, now here are the results. Only 3% had written goals and plans. 13% said they had goals, but they weren't in writing. And 84% had no goals at all. 10 years later, they get to the same group and they, they look at the result and the 3% that had written goals down and made a plan were earning on average 10 times as much as the other 97% combined. Okay. So, so basically if there's only hundred people, those three people are making 10 times as much as the other 97 put together. That's, that's craziness. So little side note, just to give you an illustration of the power of writing down a goal couple other things from that clip big shout out to toastmasters um man i took toastmasters one time and and i'm not exaggerating this this thing changed my life uh they say public speaking is one of the greatest fears people have uh, i sort of wanted to conquer that not that i'm a, an expert speaker by any stretch of the imagination but uh, if you guys could see me before Toastmasters and then after Toastmasters, it's it's just amazing, the uh, transformation. And it's amazing how it kind of filters down through a lot of other areas of your life. You got a lot more confidence and you can talk to people and uh, it's a really good environment. So I'm just going to throw that out there. If you want to challenge yourself, I definitely recommend finding a local Toastmasters club and joining it. That's a, that's a, the epitome of getting outside of your comfort zone. And just trust me, you will not be sorry that you did that. 
The other thing I, f- I want to mention is the detailed itinerary that he keeps talking about. Okay, so this is where I flash back to John Acuff, where he says, not everything is for everybody. So if he has a detailed itinerary and that works for him, that's great. If that doesn't work for you, that's fine too. However, I do I do want to mention one thing. I don't want you to confuse not working for you with I don't like to do it. So there's really two things you can do. You can have a detailed schedule, you know, down to the minute, down to the hour, down to the 15 minute, down to whatever increment you want. And people can get really crazy and nerd out on this stuff. And if it works for them, fine. And if that's not for you, that's that's okay. But if you don't have a detailed itinerary, do you have a general itinerary? What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do like in the morning and night. I mean, can you at least break it down into two chunks of time and have a real general idea? And if the answer to that is no, it may not be that you don't like details or don't like generalities. Maybe you just don't like to do it. So I, I would just caution that you're you're not lying to yourself and using that as an excuse to not do something that could be really, really beneficial to you. So to drive the point home, Think about last episode when we heard that 75% of people that are considered lifelong exercisers actually do that in the morning. Now, I know a lot of people that exercise regularly that don't do it in the morning. But if I'm talking to someone and I say, hey, if you want to really be consistent with your exercise, you should do it in the morning. And they go, well, you know, that's, you know, morning, morning exercise, that's not for me. I'm like, okay, well, are you exercising in the evening? Well, okay, well, evening exercise isn't for me. Okay, understand, busy schedule. What about lunchtime? Do you exercise during the middle of the day? Well, that's not for me. So so really we've broken down that it's not the time of day that's that's throwing you off. It's actually exercising. So just be careful not to sort of tell lies to yourself. So if you say a detailed schedule is not for you, that that's fine. Just make sure you have some sort of direction. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out and point that out. Okay, on to the next clip uh, regarding goals. This is a clip from the Modern Health Show, uh, actually hosted by Sean Stevenson. He was the guy that did our sleep hacks pretty much uh, last time on episode number seven. But He did a show on goal setting, and he actually interviewed a guy from ESPN. And this one's kind of unique. There's a couple things that are a a little new agey that I wouldn't quite agree with, you know, that the universe owes you something, you know, kind of talks like that. But other than that, there is some really, really good stuff in here. He deals a little bit with overcoming addiction, which we haven't really talked a whole lot about, but sometimes you have to get rid of those negative things before you can even start on the path to positive. Uh, But there's one really cool aspect of this show, one point that I think is overlooked a lot on this subject of goal setting. I want you to kind of see if you can figure that out. And I'll talk about that afterwards, but I really, really think it's an important concept, and that's the main reason I, I want to play this clip. Plus, uh, plus, it's a pretty interesting story from a, a guy that is on ESPN. So here you go. Today, our special guest is James Swanwick, and he is a former ESPN Sports Center anchor. Oh, Obviously, 
you know, one of my favorite shows of all times. I'm a dude, you know, Sports Center knows their stuff. They know how to deliver the content. All right. And he's also been an incredible celebrity journalist. And he's interviewed, I'll let him tell you about it. Just okay. crazy stuff. The people mm-hmm. that have been able to mentor him. How about that? And really playing at a high level and living a high quality life. And mm-hmm. he's also the author of several books. And he's just done so much awesomeness out there in the world. And he's going to tell you all about it. So I'd like to invite onto the show, James, how you doing today, man? Hey, Sean, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Hey, man, it is my honor. It is totally my honor, James. So as I told everybody, today we're going to be talking about, you know, overcoming addictions, about uh, accomplishing our goals. So let's go ahead and get started there. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your superhero origin story and how you kind of got into this life of interviewing all these celebrities and, and being on SportsCenter and how you got into the addiction that you were dealing with and the strategies that people can employ to get out of it. Yeah, sure. Well, as your listener can probably tell, I have a funny accent. I'm Australian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew wonderful. up in Brisbane, Australia. I moved over to London when I was 23. I became a sports journalist for Sky Sports, which is like the British equivalent of Fox Sports. And then I fell in love with a woman and she broke my heart. So I had to get out of the UK pretty quickly. And I got on a plane, flew into Los Angeles in 2003. And I didn't know whether I was going to turn left or right out of the airport. And ended up working on a job site as a laborer in Bel Air, earning about $75 cash a day. And But I kind of figured out that I wanted to live in America. I wanted to live in America long term. So I figured out this work visa situation. And I turned myself into a celebrity journalist. Now, I don't mean that I was the celebrity. I mean, I was a journalist who interviewed celebrities. And so my first interview was with Jack Nicholson, two-time Oscar winner. I interviewed him for the film Anger Management. He was in a film with Adam Sandler. And then after that, I interviewed Arnold Schwarzenegger for Terminator 3, which is the last film that he made before he went on to become the Californian governor. And then it was Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston and then Brad Pitt and George Clooney and Angelina Jolie. And I just started creating this life for myself where I would interview these movie stars and sell the interviews, the print interviews to magazines and newspapers all over England and Australia. And then I created a news agency where I hired about 70 people to work for me. And then in 2009, the financial crisis hit and I lost that business and I was, went into a fit of depression. Sure, sure. <laughs> and then I went off to South America to learn Spanish for six months. I came back to Los Angeles and I got my dream job of hosting a television show. And it just happened to be on one of the most iconic TV shows of all time, Sports Center on ESPN. And I got that through thinking about how I can help other people rather than how can they help me. I'll explain that a little bit later, but that's kind of my story. Now I, I host this Alpha Male Club podcast where I teach men how to be the best men they can be. I host a podcast called Date Top 10 Men where I teach women how to attract a top 10 man into their life if they're single. And along the way, I quit smoking after 10 years and I quit drinking as well. So mm. that's kind of my story. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Right, right. Crazy story, right? Yes, what a ride. Right, I'm saying. Eventually, you've got to have the memoirs, you know? <laughs> You're like a super spy, man. This is so cool, man. So amazing. So let's get into that portion, you know? Your story is incredible, and it started off with heartbreak, you know? And it ended up where he's actually happy and successful in helping other people to do the same thing, you know? So it started off with your own struggles and eventually, of course, led into the addiction, which you just said, the alcohol and the smoking. So Please share with our audience the strategies, what you actually employed to get over this particular addiction. Yeah, well, I mean, I smoked cigarettes from when I was 17 years old. I was a newspaper reporter back in Brisbane, Australia, and the culture when I started there in 1993 was very much smoking cigarettes. And I walked into the newsroom and 
they, they hadn't banned smoking in the building. So I was, I just started smoking. All right. Okay. So I started smoking and I wasn't like a pack a day smoker, but I was definitely a half a pack a day smoker. You know, it was about Mm -hmm. 12, 13, 14, 15 cigarettes a day. Likewise, I wasn't a huge drinker, but I drank. I was a binge drinker. Mm -hmm. So when I went out on weekends, I drank heavily and I got drunk and I had a fun time. I never did anything crazy or stupid, but I still was a binge drinker. And I remember about, it was almost five years ago where I quit permanently both of these things. And I tried to quit a few times over the years preceding that. In fact, I'd quit smoking and started again probably a dozen times, quite frankly. The drinking, I'd taken a month off once a year for a couple of years before I gave it up entirely. And since I've given up both, I'm just so much healthier and so much more positive and I sleep better and my skin is better. And people never used to say, oh, you're a handsome man or maybe some of them would, maybe girlfriends would. But now I get it quite a lot. It's not because I'm naturally handsome. I think it's just because I'm naturally healthy. Now mm. I'm healthy. And when you're healthy looking, people just go, oh, he's handsome or she's right. pretty if, if you're a woman. So the two things that I really did, there's a set strategy that I do for overcoming any or achieving any big goal. But I'll just say two main really powerful things, guys. And that is when I stop saying to myself, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to smoke. I can't have a cigarette. I can't have a cigarette. And instead I said to myself, I only breathe fresh air. I only inhale fresh air. When I said that and I changed it from what I don't want to do to what I do want to do, stopping smoking became easy all of a sudden. That was when I finally made that breakthrough. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes. Because it's like the mind, you're you're telling the mind not to do something. What does the mind do? It starts thinking about that. So if I say to you, close your eyes and don't think about a pink elephant. Do not think about a pink elephant. What are you doing? So looking at the pink elephant. You're so looking at the pink elephant. <laughs> so when it comes to smoking, I would say, I'm not going to smoke. I can't have a cigarette. I don't want a cigarette. I don't want a cigarette. But what am I saying the whole time? I'm always saying cigarette, 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 cigarette. So my mind is constantly thinking cigarette, cigarette, cigarette. Right. It was only when I said, I only inhale fresh air. I only breathe fresh air. Did it finally get through to my brain to quit smoking? That's part one of the formula. And it's so powerful because you're just basically, you're pointing to the fact of how our brains actually work. Mm-hmm. You know, the brain is, it doesn't elicit on specific commands. It elicits on the overarching theme of the command, you know? So we want to shift over. And again, like you just said, don't think about Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Big old dude. Standing on a pink elephant. <laughs> on the pink elephant. You seeing it right there, like it pops up in your brain because our brain is literally wired up to picture all of these things instantaneously. So that's so powerful to shift over and put it into a positive frame. And what James is saying, what this is, is actually it's reframing, you know, and it's something very powerful to, to understand about your own brain and how to utilize and leverage the wiring that you inherently have. But most of us or automatically using it the wrong way oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So that's so powerful. So that's part one of the formula. What's the next part? I call this the five steps to achieve any goal you want. Okay. And so this has enabled me to get my job at SportsCenter on ESPN. It enabled me to go and leave my home country of Australia and move to England, to leave England and move to America to start a new business. I mean, I use this five-step formula all the time to achieve anything I want. And you can use it for quitting smoking. You can use it for quitting drinking. You can use it for giving up any kind of addiction. And the first tip is 
write down your goal and why you want to achieve it. So why do you want this? Why, 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 why? But the important thing is you've got to write it down. So for me, becoming a sports centronic on ESPN, when that opportunity arose, when I realized that I could go and audition to be a sports center on ESPN, I wrote down, why do I want this? And my why was because I've been dreaming of hosting a TV show for 20 years. In fact, if you go to my website, jameswanick.com, you can see home video there when I was 12 years old pretending to be a TV news anchor. My testicles haven't dropped yet, so I have a very high voice, Sean. <laughs> so I have a very high-pitched voice in that thing. But you can check out that video at jameswanick.com. And if you actually just type in how I bluffed ESPN and my name, James Swanick, that story will come up. And you can actually see that home video. But when I wrote down the why, all of a sudden it was a powerful, powerful reference. And that kept me on path when the obstacles came later. So the same thing for your listener who's trying to quit smoking or trying to quit alcohol who has any kind of addiction, you have to understand your why. Why do you want this? Why do you want to lose 10 pounds? Is it so you can wear a size 12 bikini at the beach this summer? Or is it because you want to be healthy? Why do you want to study Spanish? Is it so you can confidently order a meal in a Spanish-speaking restaurant? Is it so you can communicate with some girl or some guy that you're dating? Why, 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 why? That is step one. Have you guys ever done anything like that, like <laughs> ask the why? Absolutely. I inherently do that when I set a goal because I know how powerful that is. But I want to ask you something about the what. What do you think about being specific in what we want? You know, Or is it just like, I want to lose some weight? Or no, is this it's, yeah, great question. It has to be specific. It has to be specific. So it's not enough to say, I want to lose weight. And you notice there we're saying, I want to lose weight. What we should be saying is, I want to get healthy. Right. I want to get fit. I want to get lean. I want to weigh this amount of pounds. So again, going back to the thing, I want to quit smoking. What do you think about? You think about smoking. It's like, I want to lose weight. Well, what do you think about? You're like, oh, I've got to lose the weight. I've got to lose the weight. Whereas if you say to yourself, I exercise five times a week, or I walk to the gym three times a week instead of drive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or I stay in the gym for 45 minutes and I don't cut corners or I see it through right into the end. And just to come back to your initial question, John, about being specific, be specific, be really specific. So it's like, it might be, I lift 35 pound dumbbells in the gym five times, 10 times this week. And then the next week it's, I lift 37 and a half pound dumbbells in the gym five times, 10 times next week. That's specific rather than I go to the gym and work out. Mm -hmm. The more specific you are, the more laser focus you get. And the more laser focus you get, the more the universe delivers you exactly what you want. Has that worked for you, Sean? Absolutely. You know, that's really great how you clarified that. And again, it just goes back to the functioning of the human brain, you know, our reticular cortex, reticular activating system in our brain literally like it's like a heat seeking missile. Mm -hmm. You know, when you give it specific instructions, it filters out and focuses on that thing. But if it's very vague, you know, and just kind of, you know, that would be nice, then you're going to get a bunch of randomness. Mm -hmm. You'll see some of that mm -hmm. thing you want, That's but right. you won't see it in clarity, you know. And oftentimes yeah. we use the example of like, if you want a new car, there's a certain car you want, you'll start to see the car everywhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't yeah, that they right. made more of those cars. It's just that you weren't attuned to it. You weren't there to yeah. see the opportunity. And that's why it's so yeah. powerful to be specific. So thank you for clearing that up oh, too. Yes. So what and why? So that's number one. Yeah. Well, well, number two is ask yourself how and what questions only. You've asked the question why. Step number two is ask yourself how and what. So that means how am I going to achieve this goal? 
What can I do to make this happen? What can I be doing differently to make this happen? How would I approach this if I knew I could not fail? How will I make this happen? So for me, it was how am I going to get this ESPN job? How will I convince the producer to give me an audition? How will I convince the producer to hire me on ESPN? And when I asked myself those questions and I sat down and just strategized for 15 minutes, I came up with like 12 great ways of doing it. Whereas if I just sitting around thinking, not really specifically asking myself how or what, maybe I would have come up with one or two options. But literally sit down and with a pen and paper, write down how and what you're going to do this. Now, when I quit alcohol, just to go back a little bit, I mentioned for one month for two years in a row, I took 30 days off drinking. It was always in March. It was March, the month of March. I took 30 days off. And it was great. It was just an experiment. And then four and a half years ago, I was in Austin, Texas at the South by Southwest Music Festival. And I went out on a Friday night and I had a couple of drinks. I didn't have a lot of drinks. Just had a couple of drinks. And I woke up in the morning with a terrible hangover, really bad hangover. I don't know whether I was dehydrated or whether I drank something bad, but I was just hungover. And that next morning I said, you know what? I'm going to see if I can go 35 days without drinking. And so I did. I started and I got to 35 days and I went, wow, I just beat my record of 30 days. Mm -hmm. You know what? I wonder if I can go to 50 days. Wouldn't that be a nice round number? So I just kept going. I went to 50 days. And I got to 50 days and I went, wow, I've lost some weight around my tummy. My skin looks better. I'm drinking lots of water. I'm sleeping a lot better. And what I'd noticed is that my productivity and my work had gone up. And all of a sudden I was hanging around with a better quality of friend. Mm. It was extraordinary. Like not that the friends I was hanging out with weren't good people. It's just they were all about going out and drinking heavily and partying. And all of a sudden I started getting into sort of deeper conversations with people. And sort of people with different interests other than going out and getting drunk on the weekends. And then I said, I wonder if I can get to three months. I got to 90 days. And I went, wow, this is amazing. I've lost 15 pounds. <laughs> Girls are like pretty impressed that I'm not drinking rather than them like going, oh, you must be a reformed alcoholic. They're like, oh, I'm really impressed by your self-discipline. <laughs> I was like, great. I can quit drinking and still get girls. This is awesome. So I just kept going. I just went, kept going. I got to six months. I'll just if I can go six months. Then I got to a year and I was back in South by Southwest, back in Austin, mm. Texas. A year later, I went to a bar, ordered a Bud Light. I put it to my mouth and I was about to have my celebratory drink and I smelled it and it smelled great. It didn't smell terrible. It smelled great. And I was like, oh, I'd love to have this beer. But something stopped me and I just put it back down and I went, you know what? I'll just keep going. Mm. That was four and a half years ago. Here I am today. I still haven't had a drink since then. Nice. Wow. So what would you say is the underlying strategy there. It sounds like it was more of like an incremental thing. You know? It was an incremental thing, but for me, it was how am I going to get to 35 days? You know, initially, it was like, okay, it was 30 days was my record. How am I going to get to 35? Mm-hmm. And so for me, my how and my what was on a Friday and Saturday night now, I'm not going to go out as much. And if I go out, I'm only going to drink water with some lime or a Diet Coke. Back then, I was drinking a lot of Diet Coke before I realized that I shouldn't be drinking diet soda. (laughs) So for me, it was like, how and what am I going to do to get to 35 days? Okay, I'm not going to go out as much. And when I do go out, I'm only going to order water with lime or a Diet Coke. And that's it. It was also when I get invitations from friends to go out where there's lots of alcohol around and partying and eating pizza and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to politely decline more than I normally would. Mm. I'm also going to set myself a goal of going to bed at 11 or 12 o'clock on a Friday night and waking up and going for a run. I wasn't really going to the gym at this stage and going for a run. So I'd wake up at seven in the morning and go for a run when there's no traffic on a Saturday morning and everyone's 
sort of still sleeping. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I started doing that. And all of a sudden, it was like I had the plan. I had my why. I had my plan. And then I just put it into action. Wow. That's the thing. You just said it right there is that number two, how and what questions only. This makes it actionable. It makes it okay. actionable. So we're not just like airy fairy, you know, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to imagine my goal and, you know, a leprechaun is going to come along and, or, you know, I'm going to rub a magic lamp or something. <laughs> it's not like that. This makes it actionable and you can actually use your brain, use your, your mind's most highest capacity, which is to give you answers, you know, and specifically when you was like 12 ways that you can do it, you know, when asking this particular question, maybe for somebody it's, how can I lose this 30 pounds in the next six months? You know, and then you can write down 12 specific ways of how you're going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and some of those things are going to work. Some might not, but it's just mm-hmm. now you've got some actionable stuff to employ. Mm-hmm. So powerful, man. That's incredible. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I guess we can go to number three. So number three is write down your plan of action and also know that it might change. Okay. Mm-hmm. So step three is write down your plan of action. So literally write it down on a piece of paper with a pen. Don't just type it out or stick it in your notepad or in your Evernote in your iPhone. Do it the old fashioned way and grab a pen and write longhand on a legal pad or a notepad and write it down. What is your plan of action? So for me, like I just mentioned before, it was decline more invitations to go out on a Friday, Saturday. Ensure that you're in better sleep by 11 or 12 or just before midnight on a Friday night. Get up at 7 a.m. and go for a run. Only drink water with lime or a Diet Coke when I went out and I had it written down and I looked at it and I went, okay, that's my plan. And rather than just saying it in my mind, by writing it down, it's 10 times more powerful. It's like an intention. It's like a powerful intention that you're putting out into the universe and it's ingrained in your mind. You can actually, when you get into tough situations where you might want to cheat a little bit, you can actually imagine the handwriting that you wrote. You can actually see your handwriting on the paper of where you said you are only going to drink Diet Coke or you are only going to drink water with a little bit of lime. And so that becomes a very powerful visual which stops you and prevents you from cheating or from slipping up. So tip number four, just to move on from you know writing down your plan of action, step number four is literally take action. I mean, I know this sounds simple. It sounds so simple that a five-year-old could understand it, right? But that's exactly why it works. Because it is simple. It's simple, simple, simple. But we human beings, we understand the concept. We grasp the concept. But only a very small percentage of us actually go through and take action on the concept. And so I have to say it over and over and over again. It's not like I'm the smartest person in the world coming in here and telling you something revolutionary. And wow, that's amazing. I can't believe I never thought of that. I mean, this is just common sense. But common sense and understanding of this common sense is not enough. You've got to take action on the common sense, right? You have to take action. So step four is begin. Take that first step. Take it. Begin. Put it into motion. Oh, super valuable stuff, man. That. Yes. Let's talk about number four again. You know, take <laughs> action. Why do you feel so few people are actually taking action, even though they get these ideas and they want to accomplish things? Why are people not doing it? Well, it's because of fear. It's four letters, fear, F-E-A-R. It's fear of failure. It's fear of succeeding. Mm, yes. Not many people think about that. I mean, I yeah. remember when I went to do my sports center audition at ESPN, 
And when I sat down there behind the iconic sports center desk and there was a director in my ear and there was a teleprompter and there was a cameraman and a light man and producer. And I'd been dreaming about this for 20 years since I was a little kid. And I sat down there and I had a panic attack Mm. two minutes before I was due to read the words in the teleprompter for my audition. And it was a fear of failing and it was a fear of succeeding. Mm, So my fear of failing was what happens if I mess this up? Right. If I mess this up, my 20-year dream is in tatters. My whole identity has been one day I'm going to host a TV show, and I've been telling people I'm going to host a TV show. And if I then fail this audition, who am I? Like, that goal's dead. I'm a failure. And then the fear of success was, what happens if I actually nail this and I get the job and they put me on the TV, and then people realize that I'm actually not as good as I thought I was? Mm -hmm. Or I have to move out to Bristol, Connecticut, where ESPN is based, what happens if my friends, some of my friends who also want to be on TV, get mm-hmm. jealous of me being on sports and maybe my, I'll lose my friends. Maybe the success that I have will mean that I lose friends who aren't as driven as I am. Maybe the success fear mm-hmm. all of a sudden becomes too much. Greg Norman, great Australian golfer, had a six-shot lead going into the 1996 US Masters over the Brits, Nick Faldo, and he choked and blew a six-shot lead, ended up losing by like six shots, something crazy. Greg Norman had a fear of success. You know, he was like the number one golfer for years, but he only ever won the British Open, never won a U.S. major. He always had a fear of success. Mm -hmm. He didn't know what to do. What am I going to do if I succeed? Oh, my God, I've never been here before. And so he would choke. And so a lot of people, they don't take step number four, taking action. They don't take that first step because they're scared of failing and because they're scared of succeeding. Wow. So true, man. And for a lot of people, you know, if you're not proactive in being a greater version of yourself or living a life that you really want, you're just kind of sitting back like, man, if I had that, I would not be afraid to be successful. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But if you're proactive in doing that and creating that life, you bump up against that. And it's a very, 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 very real thing, you know, because I know I've definitely seen that multiple times in my life. And what would happen is self-sabotage, you know, and it can become chronic. You know, you get to a certain level, then you do something to just kind of mess it up, you know. And one of the things that is very frequent, especially in the world of like managing a business and elevating your own business is that we tend to, especially when it's entrepreneurial driven, like especially like what James does and what I do to package information and to help other people. We find something that works and then we stop doing it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We find something that works and then we stop doing it, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. like this very strange animal that a lot of entrepreneurs will do. And what it is is a form of fear of success. You're doing something right. Why would you not continue doing that thing? And it's just because, you know, unconsciously we're doing that to ourselves. It's like, well, no, uh, this thing over here is more important. It's going to be even better. Reel it back in a little bit, buddy. Mm -hmm. You know, reel it in. And focus on the thing that's actually working, you know, build yourself up. So that's my advice as far as that goes. James, you got anything to add or any tactic for somebody who's dealing with the fear of success to kind of get over that? Yeah, you know, it's a nice segue into step number five Mm -hmm. of this plan, which is when the obstacles come and they will come, keep moving forward. You just have to keep moving forward. So the obstacles will come. Okay. Now the master of anything, of sport of business, of relationships, the master has failed over and over and over and over again on the way to becoming the master. 
Okay. This is the most important step. I mean, I coach women over at Date Top 10 Men with James on the podcast who are coming to me trying to find a guy and they're very down about their relationships or they go on dates with average guys and they're not happy with the guys. And so they go and sit at home and eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and watch X Factor and say, I'll always be lonely because they've gone out and they haven't had a successful date or someone's broken up with them. I got guys over at Alpha Male Club from the, who listen in to me at the Alpha Male Club podcast who come in to me and they're like, you know, I tried to lose the 20 pounds of fat that I had and I lost eight, but then I just, I couldn't seem to push through the plateau. And so then I started eating crap again and I put the weight back on and then some more. Okay. So, and then they just blow out and then they become fat again and unhappy. And it's just this constant cycle. The difference between the person who masters this and the person who doesn't is that the master expects the obstacles. The master expects the plateaus. And the master just keeps moving forward anyway. Okay. Just keep moving forward. So just to give you a visual, when I did that audition and I had that panic attack at ESPN headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut, when I'm trying to be a sports center anchor, I failed that first audition. It was terrible. It was diabolical. It was like this. I looked into the tape pump and I said, hello, I'm James Swanick. Welcome to sports center. Lots to get through tonight. Now let's start with the NFL. I mean, it was wooden, it was flat, it was clumsy. The producer looked at the video an hour later and said, nah, it's clumsy, you're wooden, it's no good. And that was going to be the end of the story. But I said to him, will you please give me another shot? Can I just come back tomorrow and give it one last shot? And he said, all right, I'll give you one last shot. Come back tomorrow, be here, and we'll give you another go. So the next day, I went in there, and I sat down back in the studio, and I was nervous again, and I was started to panic, and I had another panic attack. Literally, my leg is shaking. I'm starting to sweat. My, the back of my shirt is sticking to my back because, again, it's all on the line here. But you know what I said to myself? I said, just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Just do it like you did it on the TV camera back in Brisbane, Australia with your brothers filming back in 1990, James. Just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And the second time I did my audition, it went like this. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sports Center. James Swanick here alongside Anthony Howard, here to take you into the weekend. Let's start with the NFL. And it was 100 times better. Yes. I mean, it was good enough that the guy said, I'm going to put you on the air in two weeks. Yes. But guess what? If I just failed the first audition, the guy was saying, no, it's no good. That could have been the end of the story. That was an obstacle, right? But what did I decide to do? I decided to keep moving forward. I asked for another opportunity. And then he mm. gave me another opportunity. And then the next time I kept moving forward. And even though I was just as scared the second time of success and of failure, because I kept moving forward, I did a good enough second audition to him put me on air two weeks later. In fact, if your listener mm. wants to see me make my Sports Center debut, it's in that same article, jameswanick.com, how I bluffed ESPN. You can actually see my debut performance that night. And there's a photo of me there just before I did my audition as well. So you've got a nice visual there. So just to summarize that step five really is when the obstacles come and they will come, just keep moving forward and expect that you're going to stumble along the way. Expect it. And mm. so when it does come, you just go, yeah, I expected this. Now I'm just going to keep going. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, that was like, again, night and day. I was totally engaged. I wanted to hear the, what you were going to say, <laughs> you know, and that's so powerful, man. And, I'm so glad that you said it because it is so simple. Jade and I were just talking about this. Even though we're talking about upper level things, like a recent podcast, we're talking about genetics, you know, influencing our genetics through nutrigenetics, you know, eating certain foods to influence what our genetics are doing. It still boils down to the basics. It still boils down to simplicity. 
And for you bringing up the fact that absolutely the obstacle will come. Right. It's just how it is. It's the, it's the way the system's yeah. built. But just go on. Go through it anyways. Mm-hmm. And again, I know this very intimately, yes, you know, you because do. there are times when you're in flow and mm-hmm. everything is clicking. You could spend, you know, I spent like two years mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. everything laying out. Then all of a sudden just a series of this didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And you can just go mm-hmm. and put your tail between your legs, right, and walk off with your head down. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep, I'm going to make this happen. That's right. You know, you've got to have that attitude. You've got to have the audacity when you set out to do something, finish it. Yeah. Follow through, Mm. you know, so powerful, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So James, one final question to kind of wrap things up. I like to ask my guests from time to time about your driving force, you know, like why are you doing what you're doing? And more so, what is the model that you're here to set with your life? You know, what example are you here to set with your life? Well, I want to be the best man that I can be, plain and simple. That means I want to be the best man I can be financially. It means I want to be the best man I can be in relationships. That means in just platonic relationships with women, in romantic relationships with women, how I relate to my family, how I relate to colleagues, business associates. I want to be as healthy as I can be. And I want what everyone wants. I want to be happy. I want to be as happy as I can be. So that's really my driving force. I just want to be the best version of me. Now, am I ever going to achieve the best version of me? No, I'm not. It's like a game of golf. You can't win. Like you can't hit a hole in one for 18 holes in a row. It's a physical impossibility. But it's the striving towards being the best version of you. That is what life is all about. It's pushing yourself. It's enjoying the successes. It's overcoming the failures. You know, a lot of times things like this can sound very cliche ridden, right? You know, just keep pushing through and all that kind of stuff. Well, they're cliches for a reason because they just happen to work. And so nothing has helped me more in my life than just pushing myself and saying, I want to be the best version and not beating myself up when I fail, when I stumble. I mean, it's very hard. I am a human being. So sometimes... I try to get something and it doesn't work out. Instinctively, I can feel my whole mindset and my body go into almost like a depression. My shoulders slump forward. I'm like looking down. I'm like, oh, oh, and I notice it. Before I didn't notice it. Before I was just like, oh, okay, I'm depressed and I didn't work it. I'm never going to amount to anything. But now I notice it. And now that I notice it, I go, hmm, because I'm always striving to be the best person that I can be because then I surround myself with great people. Now I've learned the tools to get out of this little funk that I'm in, to get out of this wave of depression that I'm in. What are the practical steps that I can do right now in this moment to get out of it and keep moving forward and still strive to be the best man that I can be? So I would just encourage your listener, whenever they get into a little funk like that or they're depressed or there's something in their life is not what it's supposed to be for them, use practical steps to get out. Just ask yourself those questions, you know. Why do you want to get out of this? How and what are you going to do? Write down your plan of action. Take the action and then expect that you're probably going to feel this way again sometime. You're probably going to feel this way again because you're probably going to fail again. You're definitely going to fail again. But like Michael Jordan, the great basketball player, said in a famous Nike commercial back in the 90s, he said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Powerful, man. 
Wow, James, thank you so much for sharing this. I got so much value out of this, and I'm pumped to go and write some goals right. and to put them in action. <laughs> okay, that was a pretty cool clip. Uh, I really like how he mentions the uh, Michael Jordan commercial uh, about how many shots that he had missed. And I really like that commercial. I remember it back in the day. I think I'll even throw it on the show notes uh, for you guys to to take a look at. But what did you think that I thought was the most powerful part of that clip? A few things to choose from, and I'll, I'll mention some of them. And, and again, I'll go back to the that's why, it's, that's why it's so cool to listen to these clips because what I get out of, you may overlook and, and vice versa. So um, it's just really cool to hear these different perspectives. But the, the thing that I, I thought was most important, well, well, first off, a couple other things, just some highlights. Um, I really like how when he talked about smoking, it, it kind of clicked for him when he said, you know, instead of stop, stop smoking, stop smoking, he, he had that saying, well, I want to breathe healthy air. That's what I do. I only breathe fresh, healthy air. And that sort of clicked for him. I'm also a big fan of that question, uh, you know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail or or how would you do it if you know you couldn't fail you know questions like that are really really good ways to figure out uh what you want to do and what you want to be things like that but the the biggest thing for me and I, I i don't know i think this is absolutely huge so so this james swanick guy he's got five steps for achieving goals and his fifth step is just really really huge to me and it's it's True masters and true champions expect obstacles and plateaus. So, so let me repeat that. A, a true champion, a true master, expects obstacles and plateaus. That's just part of the game. That's that's part of life. Uh, there, there's always setbacks. You know, when when you're pursuing uh, your dreams and your goals, it's never like a skyrocket stock chart up, right? There's always up and down, up and down, and hopefully. The, the overall progression is steadily up, but it's usually one of those two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. And, and what happens is people take the two steps forward and they're all excited, but then they take that one step back and they get really, really discouraged to the point where they just give up and quit. And I really, really think that's the one thing that separates uh, the good from the great. It, it's getting through those plateaus. Um, not only getting through them, but but knowing they're going to happen. So, you know, if we go back to the red X hack and you, you look at your calendar and you've got a, a string of X's that you're accomplishing and you, uh, you're doing really well, then all of a sudden there's it gets a little spotty, you know, instead of seven days a week, it's only three days a week or, or two days a week or, or whatever. And you look back at a month and you're like, oh, man, I wanted to do this one thing, whatever that one thing was. I wanted to do that, you know, 30 days. I wanted to do it all 30 days. And I look back and guess what? I only did it 12 days. And the natural inclination is to look and say, man, I wanted to do 30 but I only did 12, so I'm a failure. What's the point? I'm going to quit. And what people fail to realize is that those 12 times, those 12 times you exercise, those 12 times you got up in the morning, uh, those 12 times you did whatever goal you had, whatever thing, whatever habit you were trying to create, that's 12 more times than zero which is what 
you were doing before. So instead of looking like, oh, I wanted to hit this marker and I fell so, so short of where I wanted to be, just look back. I mean, you don't have to look back that far, but when you look back, just just like, man, this is the most I've done in two years and five years ever. This is more than I've ever done. And, and take encouragement in that and just keep going because you will you will plateau and you just got to fight through that. Whether it's a, a diet and you're trying to eat certain foods and you're doing really well and then all of a sudden you have uh, one bad meal and that leads into one bad day and that leads into one bad weekend of eating and then all of a sudden you just quit. You know, that's that's really, really typical. So if you can anticipate things like that happening and just fight through it, oh, that's that's the only concept I want you guys to really, really grab onto because it will happen. It's coming. You know, you're going to get punched in the mouth. Uh, get back up and start fighting. All right. So now we're going to play the final clip of the show. Um, this is a long clip, but I think you will enjoy it. This is the School of Greatness podcast again, uh, except this time it is an interview, and it's an interview with a best-selling author named Michael Hyatt. So I think you'll get a lot out of this. So take a look, and we'll just compare what this guy has to say versus some of the other guys we've already heard. So let's check it out. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about today's guest. His name is Mr. Michael Hyatt. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great, Lewis. Thanks for having me on. Of course, yeah. We connected a few years ago at actually a, I think through Stu, potentially, it was at Inc. We did like an Inc. mastermind at their like headquarters or something in, in New York City. And uh, it's been uh, fun watching you and connecting with you ever since and being a support of all the things you do. So I'm excited to have you on and talk about what you're up to right now. Well, thank you so much. I, I enjoyed getting acquainted with you at that same mastermind. That was a lot of fun. I took a lot away from that that session. Yeah. And uh, I want to talk about actually masterminds at some point here, but I want to talk about, uh, you know, we're getting ready for the new year and uh, a lot of people, this is when they reassess their visions, their dreams, where they're at, what they want. You've got a program that's actually called five days to your best year ever. And uh, I want to talk about, you know, so many of us go through setting goals every year, whether it be their health or their relationships or, you know, a lot of relationships either break up or they actually, you know, get married. They like take action around the holidays, it seems like. And why is it that so many of us, uh, I've got a lot of questions for you here, but this one's the first one off the top of my head. Why is it that so many of us are, it's so challenging to stay consistent with what our vision is at the beginning of the year throughout the very end? Why is that so challenging for us? Yeah, I think a couple of reasons, Lewis. I think that, first of all, we probably don't have a disciplined process for doing it. You know, nobody really uh, taught us how to set goals. Maybe we picked it up from a few books here and there or a podcast here and there. But we just kind of write these vague aspirations down and, and we don't really have any accountability built in. And most importantly, we don't have a systematic review process. So the goals don't stay visible. So we just lose sight of them and we get, get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent. And uh, the urgent is what takes over our lives, and we lose sight of the important. Mm. So we've, we've got to have a process for keeping invisible if we're going to be successful. How do we create that process? Well, I think there's a couple different ways. One, and I mean, I just, I'm very practical in terms of uh, what tools I use, but I have, and just to geek out for a second, I create <laughs> each goal in an Evernote note. 
And then I have an index and another note that has a link to all those goals. And I have about seven to 10 every year. And so then I, I have that as a shortcut on my Evernote sidebar so that I can click into that every day and review those goals so that I can see them. You know, just keeping, just keeping those present or being present to the goal and reminding myself of what I said at the beginning of the year was important. And there's no rule that says you can't revise them as you go on. But to keep the, the, the main thing the main thing and to do that at the beginning of the day and then to populate my calendar and my task list with the actions that will move me towards those goals, that's, that to me is kind of the crux of it. That's the mm-hmm. kind of the bottom line for how, how I keep those visible and keep working toward a, uh, the goal. Interesting. Now, you know, I set, you know, goals every year and I have a vision for my whole life of what I want to achieve. My, my purpose, my mission is to serve 100 million people to learn how to make a full-time living around doing what they love the most. And that's what I'm up to. So I make a decision based on what I do if it serves that mission throughout the year. And like you said, you know, things shift and evolve and change and, you know, goals might be different as you go along. But, you know, when opportunities do come our way, you know, say we've got five main things we want to accomplish this next year or any year. And when new opportunities come our way that could actually accelerate our purpose or our mission or our vision, you know, what do we do then when it's like, okay, well, now I've got these new opportunities and always some opportunity coming my way. And the more successful I become, there's more opportunity. So how do we stay on track and know when to shift our goals? Yeah, this is the challenge of being successful, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden the opportunities that you would have killed for two years ago are now distractions to you accomplishing that right? <laughs> big, very audacious goal. And so I think you do have to have a filter, and, and your filter is wonderful. The fact that you've got a mission and a purpose statement, you've got a way to filter those opportunities out. I tend to be the kind of guy that, you know, I'm, I'm easily distracted by the shiny new thing. Like uh, today I'm supposed to be preparing a webinar for next week, but I had another idea this morning that sounded actually like more fun to work <laughs> on. So it's everything I can do to stay focused on getting the webinar done and set that aside. But, um, you know, I think we have to run it through the filter. We've got to evaluate that opportunity. But oftentimes, that's to me where it helps having a team. Because when I can go to my team and say, hey, look, I've got this opportunity. What do you think? They usually have a little more distance from the person who's making the request. And they may be less uh, emotionally engaged with it. So they can be more objective. And they can say, you know, hey, what about this other goal we said we're going to do? You know, we can't do everything. So we've got to choose. So what's the most important goal now? Mm, I like that. And why is this time of year, New Year's, uh, the beginning of the year, uh, the best time to make these new goals? Why don't people just do it every month and stay consistent throughout the year? Why now? Yeah, I think this is kind of a natural time. I mean, certainly you can do it throughout the year, but I think there are at least three reasons why this is the best time of year to make that kind of significant uh, change. And it's because the holidays are just a natural time when we refocus on faith and family and the things that are more the ultimate values, you know, the bigger story that we so often uh, lose in the midst of our little stories during the year. So it's a natural time to reflect on what's gone on previously and to see, you know, did we accomplish what we wanted to achieve? And, you know, what were those magic moments in this last year? And what do they mean? And all that. Then I think once we get kind of past the holidays and now we're into to New Year's, you know, it's just a natural time when we start thinking about the future. Um, it's a natural time to plan because for us right now, 2015 is a white canvas. Mm. You know, they have a few things on the calendar. We may have some commitments that we've made, but it, it's still a white canvas that we can paint on. And then I think it's also a time when we tend to slow down, um, unless you're in retail, 
But uh, <laughs> if you're not, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a time to slow down so we can get the headspace to finally think about what really matters to us. So often through the year, we've been drifting or we've been caught in the current and we've been uh, subject to everybody else's agenda. But this is a time to rethink and, and really ask, what do I want? What do I want out of life? Am I getting uh, toward what's important to me or am I drifting further away from it? Well, let me ask you that question. What really matters to you and what is it that you really want? Well, for me, it's a couple things. And, and you said something that was uh, very near and dear to my heart. And that is that, you, you know, I have a plan that addresses every area of my life. I don't think you can succeed at business without winning at life. Um, at least you can't sustain it. Amen. Because if you do one without the other, you're going to eventually blow up. You know, you may blow up your most important relationships or your health completely deteriorates. And I've watched people do that, especially in the corporate world where I came from. Uh, a lot of executives that were putting in 78 hours a week, uh, but they had horrible marriages or their kids were just, you know, uh, in rebellion or estranged from them. Their health was a mess, all of that. So to me, the just the vision, like you were saying earlier, the vision of having a uh, life where I can can absolutely kill it in my business, and I want to do that, and I've doubled my business every year for the last three years, but I don't want to do that at the expense of my family. Sure. I've been married for 36 years. I am more in love with my wife today than I've ever been. I have a great relationship, and I have five daughters, four son-in-laws, a bunch of grandkids, and those relationships are really important. So that's not going to, I'm not going to uh, drift to great relationships. I've got to, I've got to have intention, be deliberate, set goals and make sure that each of those areas is getting the attention it deserves. Wow. Now I, I want to ask you a personal question about this because you've got five, you say five daughters, right? Five daughters. Yeah. That's, ama that's amazing. A lot of history. And five grandsons, right? And yeah. three, three granddaughters. So you've, right. you've been around, you've experienced a little bit of life here at 30, six years of marriage. Now here's my question. I've asked this to a number of uh, high performing, you know, individuals on the show before. Do you believe it's possible? Well, I think I know your answer, but do you believe it's possible to have such a massive vision in the world? That's like huge, right? Huge vision to inspire and change the world and also have a healthy, loving, intimate, vulnerable, connected relationship marriage or any type of relationship long-term. Is that possible? Absolutely. But I think it takes huge awareness, self-awareness, <laughs> yeah. huge emotional intelligence, and the ability uh, to be corrected, to stay humble and be corrected. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times my wife has sat me down in our den and said with love but concern, look, your life is out of balance. You're not giving the things, the attention that I know you want to, and I really want to help you, and I love you dearly, but I'm just telling you, I'm just, I'm just waving a flag here. And that's been hugely helpful to me. And I haven't seen that as um, something that was a negative. I may have reacted in the moment, like, you know, said, well, gosh, don't you realize we just acquired this company and right. through this? And, but the problem is for most of us, we have just a way of um, uh, letting the temporary turn into the permanent if we're not careful. And we lie to ourselves. So we've got to have those truth tellers in our lives. Um, and usually they're the people that are closest to us that see us, you know, behind backstage, behind the curtain that can really speak into our lives. And if we don't allow ourselves or allow them to do that, we're just really kind of shooting ourselves in the foot long term. Has there ever been a moment, and maybe this is too personal, but has there been a moment in your uh, marriage where you felt like, you know what, 
it's it's not possible. Like I'm up to a big things and uh, you know, we're not meshing or she's not understanding or we're not understanding each other and I don't think it's gonna work out. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story. So we'd been married about five years. My wife's name is Gail. And um man, I was working like seventy hours a week. I was, you know, early on in my career, I was crushing it. I was being promoted. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I want to be the CEO of this company and it may take 10 years, but I'm totally committed to that. I was head down, totally focused. Meanwhile, um, we're having kids and she's up to her eyeballs just trying to manage all that. As I said, we had five daughters. In fact, we had five under the age of 10 at one point. So, but about five years in, we had uh, two and, uh, and she was just like, I, I felt like she was just kind of demanding, you know, she wanted me to actually spend time with her and and uh, pay attention to her occasionally. And I mean, it's actually very reasonable, but I, <laughs> you're just too needy. And I think you need to get into therapy and figure out what this. Wow. So I mean, this is how brazen I was. So I, so I send her to therapy thinking, okay, great. You know, I've dispatched that. I've got that fixed. That's going to be okay in a while. Now I'll get back to work. Well, after about five weeks into this, Lewis, she comes to me and she says, um, Dr. Pannebecker, who was her counselor, has requested that you come to our next session or my next session. And I said, what do you mean? I mean, what's this have to do with me? You know, this, you're the one that's the <laughs> one. And what do I need to come for? So I go to this counseling session and honestly, I was really nervous mm-hmm. because I was, I was scared that I was about to be outed. Wow. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> right. Sure. So, so he says to me, you know, he makes the, the initial casual conversation. And then he says to me, he says, so Michael, why do you think it is that you're so driven? So, I mean, honestly, I like teared up um, and I didn't know. And, and honestly, that began a quest for me um, that took about 20 years to answer that question. Wow. And um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm peeling the onion back. I get new information on it all the time. But I don't, I don't want to live my life being either drifting or being driven. I want to live it out of design. And, and that's the beauty of uh, goal setting and being intentional about what you want to create with the entirety of your life. But that was the beginning of, of really, I think, rescuing our relationship from what would have ended in a divorce. Because if I would have been my wife in that situation, I wouldn't put up with that for a minute. She was, she was patient and worked with me. And I think over time I've, I've uh, gotten better and having a lot of kids has helped, but boy, it, it almost came off the rails. Wow, interesting. That's 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 pretty incredible. I didn't know that. So, what was that uh, thing that you discovered over twenty years that why you were so driven? Yeah. Okay. So this gets really personal. Um, but I'm going to answer the question. I never talked about this publicly until I spoke at the World Domination Summit this last summer. And the reason for it was that I grew up in a home with an alcoholic father, and I'm not not saying it was his fault, but I'm just giving you the context. And what happened to me in that context was that there were a couple of times when I found my dad just passed out, picked him up off the sidewalk, drug him into the house. And one time in particular, I laid him on the sofa and I was just kind of disgusted by the whole thing, very frustrated, very angry. And I just made this silent vow deep in my heart. It was an unconscious vow, but I said, I will never be like that. And that became the driving force of my life for decades where I just said, you know, I was, I was going to be in control. Um, I was going to have money. I was going to be successful. I was not going to be at the mercy of, of alcohol or anything else. Funny thing about it was 
I was drinking and doing things myself, but for some reason it was okay for me, but it wasn't okay for my dad. But I, it just, it really unleashed some negative things in my, in my life that took me years to work out. Hmm. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Um, that brings up something for me about the secret to happiness and goal setting. I was, uh, you know, I always want to achieve a lot of things, right? In my whole childhood, I wanted to achieve my dreams of being a professional athlete and an all-American athlete. And I thought, you know, I want to be the best, the best that I can be. And that's like the highest mark. And I remember I was, uh, I achieved my goal. I was all state in a couple of sports. And then I was an all-American my senior year in a couple of sports. And I remember the moment when I heard the news that I was the all, an all-American, uh, I was like happy for maybe 30 seconds and then I was miserable and depressed. And I was like, felt really lonely and resentful. Mm. Now I'm curious to know what your answer is to the secret of happiness when it comes to goals and happiness being connected. Well, I used to think, and it sounds like you did too, that it was the achievement of the goal that would give me the happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, buying that amazing dream home or that really cool car or, uh, marrying the right significant other or whatever it is. You know, it's different for everybody. Building a business, achieving a financial goal, whatever it is. But what I've discovered is that it's really the pursuit of a meaningful goal is where the happiness is. It's not in the destination, it's in the journey. Mm-hmm. And so when I a- achieve something that's significant, I know there's going to be a letdown. I mean, I rejoice in it <laughs> you know, for uh, a-, a couple minutes and high five everybody. And it's really important to my team that I recognize that. But honestly, if I don't uh, quickly reframe and get fixed on the next mountain that I'm going to climb, um, I'm going to be discouraged. I'm going to be sad. It's not going to be fulfilling because, again, it's in the journey towards something uh, that, that I find meaning. And I think that's because it's not the achievement of the goal that's important. It's just that when we set big goals, we have to change and we have to become something other than what we are right now. Mm. And that's where I think satisfaction and long-term satisfaction comes from. I like that. Yeah. When I read The Alchemist in my early 20s, it kind of like opened me up to actually getting that point that it was about the the journey uh, and the, not the destination. And also in the, the the Peaceful Warrior. I don't know if you've read that book by Dan Millman, but uh, also, no, I have. Oh, my gosh. That's a powerful, powerful book called The Peaceful right Warrior. But um, yeah, that's very cool. Now, tell me, how do we actually set effective goals then? How do we, what's the process? How do we do this? Well, there's a couple things. I think, first of all, um, we need to go through the process of completing the past. You know, I think a lot of people are hampered in their thinking about the future because they really haven't completed the past. They've got something that happened in this last year that puts a hitch in their giddy up. You know, maybe they weren't acknowledged for something they feel like they should have been acknowledged for, or maybe they failed at a goal that they set out that was really important to them and they haven't really completed. Maybe they've been in denial but I think getting clear on your past and, and coming to terms with it so you can kind of put it to bed and to use a book publishing metaphor, the world I come from, you know, to be able to turn the page and go to the next chapter. So you've got to have a process of, of dealing with the past. And I do talk about that in five days to your best year ever. In fact, one of the days we spend reflecting on the past. Then I think we have to view the future in a very specific way. And I think that for most people who are big goal Uh, people, for people that are high achievers, they have a way of thinking about the future that's different from everybody else. There's a mindset about it that that looks at it as a white canvas, something that could become anything they decide to be, and that the most important thing is that they got to decide what they want 
And so I've got a process for that as well. And then I think, you know, writing our goals in a very specific format, a lot of goals fail just because uh, they're not really goals. We call them goals, but they're aspirations or they're intentions or they're a dream, but they have to have deadlines and some other things uh, around them that make them specific. And then I think, and this is killer to me, connecting each goal to our why. Why is that goal important? Uh, sometimes goals get externally imposed upon us. Maybe it's our boss. Maybe it's somebody that's significant in our life, but it's not something that we really own and not, not something that we're really clear about why we're even doing it. But once we connect a goal to our why, and I go through a process literally of writing out these bullet points for each one of my goals, why is this important? And more importantly, what's at stake if I achieve it? And what's at stake if I don't achieve it? So it feels like there's some risk involved, but there's also some reward. Mm. Because inevitably, in the pursuit of a big goal, you're going to hit what I call the messy middle. You know, when you just, you're too far in to quit, but you don't think you have the resources to finish and you just get stuck. And that's when, that's when we're in the danger zone and when we uh, can become liable to throwing the, the goal out the window and just giving up and becoming cynical. But in the midst of that messy middle, if we've really fleshed out our goals so that we have the whys identified, then we can reconnect, re-engage emotionally about what's at stake, and then we have some options uh, about what to do about that goal. I mean, we could recommit to it, we could revise it, we could remove it from our goal list, but at least that it's, it's, then it's done consciously and with intention and not just something that's a knee-jerk reaction. And then I think, finally, just we need to, if we're going to have a successful goal-setting process, we've got to identify where to start. People get so caught up developing these detailed action plans and for many people, that becomes a fancy way to procrastinate. <laughs> yeah, right. So if you're, if you're building a submarine, you probably need that. If you're launching, you know, the Apollo mission to the moon, you probably need that. But for most of us, we just need to identify the next actions. The path will open up and the next steps will become clear, but they only become clear when we get in motion and start developing momentum. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. And you talk about momentum and maintaining focus, but how many goals should someone have like is there too many goals that's going to stop our momentum you know if we have 30 goals for the year it's probably going to be hard to focus and keep the momentum going and totally. and to to couple with that question is it is it good to be public with your goals or had a, or to have an accounting accountability group somewhere either online or friends offline when you meet up and you say here's what my goal is and here's what I'm committed to creating is that powerful or does that hurt the momentum oh these are these are two great questions let me start with the number of, of goals first. You know, what psychologists tell us is that we really can't hold in our mind more than about seven to 10 things at one time. So, you know, when it gets us, when the scope gets bigger than that, we really don't give attention. We get distracted and, and we lose focus altogether. So I think the right number is about seven to 10. And you can't fudge on this either. Cause I, I had an executive one time when I was back in the corporate world who came to me and he knew that I taught this. And so he cleverly arranged three or four goals under these major headings. And I said, you, you've got like 30 goals here. And he said, no, I don't. Th those are, I got seven. I said, no, you have seven areas of focus, <laughs> but you've got like 30 goals. That's cheating. <laughs> I said, you're not going to do it. I can just tell you, you're not going to achieve 30 goals. I said, let's start with seven to 10. And if you achieve those early in the year, great. You can totally recreate new goals. You don't have to wait till next year. And so that's what we did. So I think seven to 10. I, and by the way, I'd be curious, what, what do you think typically? What's been your experience? Oh, I think it's, it's a good question. I think, uh, I, I have like 
three or four big goals for the year. Like I've got a book coming out next year and I have certain sales marks I want to hit. Uh, I'm launching a magazine and I've got uh, a numbers that I want to hit for my podcast. So I've kind of got like these bigger goals and then I've got a few products that I want to launch that I have goals with as like things to launch. But I think having like three to five kind of bigger goals and then maybe like three to four things that follow along with it because there's, you know, there's only so much time to have, there's like all this time in the pipeline, right? We have like a big goal, but then there's like back and forth time, there's waiting time. So I think you got to have some other things to go with it to support those bigger goals along your main mission in yep. life. And at least that's what I think. But well, yeah. I, I think that's right. I, I was uh, not to name drop, but I was talking to Tony Robbins about this and, and he has this idea of three to thrive, you know, three big goals that are really the goals that jazz you and are, are the most energizing, but three to thrive. And then he has 12 to triumph. So, you know, it's still kind of in the, in the range. And then we were talking about Shalene Johnson before we got on this uh, podcast and Shalene has that concept of a push goal. And I love this idea where there's one goal out of all of them, whether it's seven or 10 or 12. And again, for me, it's seven to 10, but to pick that one goal that if you could achieve it, it would make every other goal on your list easier to accomplish. And it's like a big domino. You know, what's the, what's the one goal here that if I pushed it over, the others would topple more easily? So I think that's a good concept too. But back to your, um, whether you go public or not, this has been a um, controversy kind of in the goal-setting community. I used to go super public, like I would blog my goals. And, um, you know, it was great because people connected with me being vulnerable and, you know, kind of hanging it out there. But then I heard this TED presentation. I don't know if you've heard this one by Derek Silvers where he talks about accountability yeah, and about goals. Yep. And he says the problem with that is that psychologically you get the same satisfaction <laughs> from telling the goal as if you had achieved it. Your brain doesn't know the difference, so then you back off the goal. But here's what I think is the right perspective. I, don't, I think kind of both of those are extremes. And I think the best thing to do is to share your goals with people that you know love you and support you and most importantly, will hold you accountable, who won't let you get away and make excuses uh, for not achieving the goal. So I, I want to share it with the people that are, that are closest to me, like my wife, uh, like my teammates at work, like a few people in uh, my mastermind, but not beyond that. You know, I, I just think it's, I don't want the psychological satisfaction. I just want to resource the goal so that if I get stuck, I've got people that are holding my feet to the far, fire. And more importantly, helping me be creative when I may not be creative and helping me figure out another strategy for achieving the goal when maybe I don't, I can't see it for myself. I like that. That's very cool. Yeah. I think it's a, a happy medium is like people that you're close with your friends with, or even a smaller you know, online accountability group, but not maybe the whole world. Yes. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I like that. Uh, so why don't people set goals? Well, I think for a lot of people, um, they can get cynical because maybe they set a goal in the past and they didn't achieve it. They didn't come close. And maybe it was given in a context where it was externally imposed. Like, you know, if you were in sales, maybe your boss gave you a, a goal that you just knew from the get go, there was no way. And so you, when people miss goals and they miss goals repeatedly, they get cynical about them and they build up kind of this, uh, this wall about them. And for other people, and maybe some of these, this first group I've mentioned, it's also fear because I think inherently what happens is when we set a goal, what we're really saying is that the status quo is no longer acceptable. And it's going to require us to change. Something's got to happen to us if we're going to achieve that this next year. Mm -hmm. like, like I have a goal, again, 
and not everybody can do this, depends on the scale of your business, but my goal for this next year is I want to double my business again. Mm. Now, here's a curious thing. I, I don't really have any idea how that's possible. <laughs> You're already doing pretty well, Michael. Well, I mean, but, <laughs> but, but, but here's why I'm setting that. It's not because the money's important. It's not because, of course, the impact's important. I want to you know, touch more people. But I know that something's going to have to show up in me. I'm going to have to learn how to do this business that I'm running right now in a different way that I'm doing it now in order to achieve that goal. Right. So there's something about that. And, and believe me, I feel fear. I feel uncertainty. I feel doubt. And to me, those are the markers that I'm in the discomfort zone. And that's exactly where I want to be. I don't want to be in the delusional zone, but I want to be in the discomfort zone because that's where all the cool stuff happens. So when I start feeling those feelings, I think, okay, something in me is going to have to change. But a lot of people have learned that when they feel those things, that fear, that uncertainty, the doubt, they back away from it. They go, oh my gosh, something's wrong. I shouldn't be here. I need to back up into the comfort zone. And so they shut down on the goal setting process. So I, I think those are a couple of reasons. I, I just read some research too. In fact, I published it on my blog today where setting goals that are too low actually works against you. Hmm. So unless the goal is big enough, you won't have the excitement you won't be interested in generating the momentum. And so the goal's got to be big enough that it, that it really incites that uh, energy within you to pursue it. Otherwise. Yeah. Now, what's, you know, what about this whole quote, uh, you know, reach for the stars, land on the moon thing? Is it okay to land on the moon if we have such a big goal and we, don't, and we, and we never hit it? Is that okay to, you know, to land on the moon and not hit the stars? Or what do you think about that? Well, it's, it, I think it's okay if you say it's okay. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, like who, are we, who are we doing these for? Because, because sometimes maybe it's some unconscious thing, like, like I was talking about my father. A lot of other people are you know, kind of in, inherently uh, people pleasers because there's, there's something inside of their psyche, may go back to their childhood or whatever, and they're waiting for approval from somebody. But at the end of the day, I just would say, when you achieve your goal or you don't achieve it or you come close, is it okay or not? And I think part of that process in dealing with the past that I take people through in day one of five days to your best year ever is to get, get really clear on that, you know, to just say, okay, I didn't hit the stars, but I hit the moon. Can I give myself permission to celebrate that? Because I would have not gotten anywhere close to the moon if I hadn't aimed for the stars mm. and the stars are out there and next year's a new year. So I'll keep going. I like that. What do you think? Uh, you know, I ask people a lot this one question, what they're most afraid of, afraid of succeeding and actually reaching their goals or of, of failing and not reaching it. So what do you think, um, why do people, what do you think people are more afraid of, let's say, of the actual reaching the goal and what comes with that responsibility or title or whatever it may be? What do you think people are more afraid of? I don't know. That'd be interesting to do a, a research project on that. One of the things I want to do this next year is um, I want to start a nonprofit foundation that does research into goal setting, what works, what doesn't, sort of debunk the myths and, and get to, to the science of it. So the short answer to the question is, I don't know. I suspect my hypothesis would be that people who have not done a lot of goal setting, people maybe that are, are young or early in their career, uh, may unconsciously fear success. Because with the success, perhaps comes more responsibility. You know, it's like a thermostat. You know, we kind of set the temperature or set the ceiling in our lives. And when we get above that, we get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, I think once you begin to hit some success, I think just listening from your podcast and getting to know you a little bit, you're probably the second kind of guy that's probably afraid of not reaching your potential. I mean, I want to leave nothing on the field. 
I want to get to the end of my life and, and uh, have the conviction that I played full out in every area. Uh, because this is like the one chance you get. Um, this is the one life you've been given. And so for me, it's just about, my, that's my biggest fear, is that I aim too low. I would rather uh, overdial it on the other side. You know, be, be a little bit too aggressive, wanting to accomplish a little bit too much, and falling a little short, rather than just not reaching for it and just playing it safe. Hmm, I like that. Uh, a few questions left. What, first off, I want to know what are your, you know, can you share maybe your three or five of your goals this year? Yeah. Uh, one of them was that um, I wanted to double my business this year. And so I actually, uh, looks like um, we're still, you know, have this month to go as, uh, as we're recording this. But uh, it looks like I'm going to more than uh, double it, which is awesome. Some really great things have happened, and um, I'm excited about that. So that was, that was fun. I, I was able to put together a great team, uh, add to the team, put in some infrastructure, and all that's good. One of the goals that I had that I'm the most proud of for this year was that I took my wife, Gail, to Europe for a month. We went in the month of August. I got five emails in that entire month because of how I set it up. I didn't want to, I wanted to be offline. I really wanted to focus on her and I wanted to focus on the experience. And I got five emails in that entire month. Those were all from my team. Uh, our income actually went up uh, from the previous several months. So there was no dip in the income. It didn't require my presence. And I came back to a totally empty inbox. So that was awesome. And it was kind of a test because I wanted to see, I, I want to build a business that runs without me or at least doesn't require my constant intervention. I think a lot of people get on this entrepreneurial kick and then what happens to them is uh, they end up working for the most difficult boss they've ever worked for, which is themselves. And they're put it in 70 to, 70 to 80 hours a week. They've got no life. I don't want to do that. I, I'm really taking this lifestyle business thing uh, seriously. So that was kind of a test for me. And I'm, I'm really proud of, uh, the outcome, uh, of that. One of the other goals that I had, um, was to, and this is really more of a habit than a goal. And there's, there's a difference that I talk about in the course, but I really wanted to nail strength training, uh, this year. And I've, I've done serious cardio running half marathons and all that for the last uh, decade, almost decade. But my strength training was just not up to par. And so I said, I want to work out with a trainer um, at least twice a week and really get that in tow. And I did. And I feel like today I'm in the best shape of my life ever. And I'm 59 years old, but I feel like I'm 35. Wow, that's cool. That's so anyway, cool. those are just some of my goals. What, what about this next year coming up? What are maybe two or three goals you have? Yeah, well, I'm still framing those up. But uh, for sure, I want to uh, double... Um, my business again, just for the reasons I shared uh, earlier. Mm -hmm. I've got a new book also. I, now, I, I had on my had on my list that I wanted it to hit the New York Times list uh, this next year in 2015, but we're looking at delaying it until 2016. So that's all being negotiated with the publisher now. So I don't know if that'll that'll make it there uh, or not. Um, I want to take Platform University, which is a membership site I have. I'd love to get that, that to 10,000 members, which would be doubling the size of that this wow. year. Wow, incredible. Um, I'd love to get this best year ever course. You know, it's we'll, we'll do probably, let me just think here for a second. We'll do about uh, 7X of what we did last year, this year. Amazing. 
if it comes off on what we did. But I, you know, you had this goal of reaching 100 million people. My goal is a little more modest with that course, but I'd, I'd love to see a million people enrolled in that course, not in 2015, but I want a steady advance toward that over the next five years. Amazing. So wow. those are some okay. of the things. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, my 100 million is like my lifetime. It's not, like, it's not it's, next year. It's like my life is, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> next year would be pretty big. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of just like my mission on why I do everything that I'm doing. Does it serve that mission towards achieving that overall goal? Um, you know what's cool about that, though? When you share a, a big mission like that or goal, there's something about that that resonates within me. And I, I think sometimes we miss this if we're leading a team. That sometimes we set goals that are so safe and so low, it doesn't motivate anybody. It's not compelling to us, and it's not compelling to our team. And therefore, nobody really feels like they got to put any effort uh, in it to accomplish it. But when I hear $100 million, my mind starts going immediately to what could I do to help Lewis accomplish that? What, uh, what would that mean? What would that look like? You know, that to me is very compelling. Mm. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I ask people what's their vision all the time. And, you know, people say, I want to inspire the world. And I want to change the world and this and that. And I think that's awesome. But for me, and I think I think you'll agree, hopefully, is that you want to have some type of quantifiable totally. amount so that you can reach. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to quantify every person that I touch, but I want to create a ripple effect so that it empowers 100 million people. And there are some things that I can qualify with uh, you know, my podcast numbers and subscribers and following and things like that and the people I speak in front of. But really, it's like... You know, like you said, we have one shot at this to leave it all on the the field, and uh, the world is our playing field. And I want to, uh, you know, serve 100 million people. And if I hit that in the next few years or sooner, you know, I'm not limiting it to the rest of my life. If I hit it sooner, then great. Then I'll up it to 500 million. But for now, that's my mission until it happens. Well, what what I love about that too, and it's another principle of goal setting. You've got to get clear on the what before you address the question of how. And I think people get all hung up on this because they don't know how they're going to accomplish something. They dismiss the goal. But vision attracts resources. If you've got the right vision, you'll figure out the right strategy. But it doesn't ever happen the, the, the reverse of that. You know, you're never going to – and I, I see people do this all the time. Well, once I get enough money, then I'll start dreaming about what I'm going to do with it. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> you know, you got to have a big vision that you can't finance, that you can't figure out how to get to. That will attract the strategy and the resources. So vision – in my experience, always precede strategy. Mm, I like that. What is uh, a couple questions left here? What is the most important ingredient for reaching our goals? Okay, this is like you know one of those things that you slap your head on and say, "Well, it's obvious," but very few people do this. It's actually writing the goal down. <laughs> there was a study that was done by Gail Matthews at the Dominican University of California, where she took a bunch of goal setters and she tracked them over a three-year period. And one of the things that she discovered was that people who actually committed their goals to writing had a 42% greater likelihood of achieving the goals than the group who didn't write them down. And it's a discipline to write them down. I think it's, it's how we uh, kind of put our intention out there to the world. You know, we begin to get focused. There's something about thoughts disentangle themselves, passing over the lips, and especially through pencil tips. So putting it on paper helps us get the clarity that we need to move toward the goal. And that clarity, I know you did a whole podcast episode on this, but that clarity is so critical in the goal setting process. If you're not clear, 
then chances are you're not going to achieve it. And one of the best ways to get clear is to write it out. Mm, that's, that's, I would 100% agree with you. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because I've been doing this since high school in sports where we would frame our goals and put it up. You know, I call it a certificate of achievement now where we, uh, uh, I tell people to write their goal down, frame it as if it's been awarded to you in the future with the date and you signing it as that it's your, your intention is that it's already happening. And then your job is to figure out how to get the resources to make that happen or what you, the action steps to make it happen. And I put my, uh, you know, my goals up on my wall so that I can see at all times, like it's a nice award. Like I just went to an award ceremony and here's what they gave me and I made it happen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's for me, at least that's something that works. And, um, I definitely agree with writing it down. I did something uh, similar when I wrote my book, Platform, Get Noticed in a Noisy World. I, I said, I want this on the New York Times list. And it, feel, uh, it felt audacious at the time, even though I'd been publishing industry all my life. I thought, oh, geez, now, now comes my turn to do this. And so what I did was I went in and I had a designer create a page that looked exactly like the New York Times. And I used the exact same list. I just changed the date. And then I put my list on the New York Times list. So I put my, my book at number one. And um, it only got to seven, but, but you made still, it, but I made it, you I made, made it on the moon. And I had that, I had that framed and <laughs> I looked at it every day. Brilliant. That's brilliant. So, I a hundred percent agree with that. I'm going to, I'm going to do that from my book as well. Thanks for that idea. <laughs> send you the template. And you yeah, can, please do. I would love that. I'm going to okay. frame that bad boy. Um, okay. Three final questions. One is what is the key to designing and creating a, Loving, healthy family. Wow. That's a big question. Because I, I mean, I don't have kids and I'm not married. Yeah. And, but I want them someday. You know, I'm 31 and there's, that's part of my vision for my life. But okay. I want to know from you, you've, you know, had a very successful family life, I would say. Healthy, loving, and I'm sure there's ups and downs, but what's the key to... Okay, I'm going to just tell you, I'm not a psychologist or a marriage and family therapist. What I, what I have is a long-term marriage and I've got five girls that still love me and all live in the area and two of them work with me in the business. I think the key for me has been loving their mother. Wow, I think wow. the kids, you know, couples sometimes get this backwards. They, they live for the kids and then the kids leave and they don't have a relationship that's grown in those intermittent years. And, and what gives kids security and an environment where they can thrive is when the husband and the wife just love each other deeply, passionately. And, and that's not something that's just a feeling, you know, because inevitably, once you get married, the feelings are going to wear off. And that's kind of that messy middle I talked about in goal setting. And so love is a verb. You know, it's not an adjective. You know, it's something you do, not something you feel. First, your feelings will follow the doing. So what we've tried to do is cultivate the art of loving one another, even when we didn't feel like it, and then the feelings would follow. And believe me, we've had you know fights, and I shared some of the stuff earlier in the in the episode, but that consistently has been the thing that that I think has uh, framed our relationship with one another is that we just continue to pursue one another and continue to love one another well, and then the relationship with the kids, you know, they're they're secure. They feel safe. They know mom and dad love each other. Um, and it creates the kind of ecosystem that makes kids thrive. That's a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to you know, embed that in my body and my mind as I move forward. So thank you. What are you most grateful for from this, this entire year? 
Well, I do think, and I kind of shared this earlier, but I, I do think it was this month away with Gail. I, I just, it was so good for us to just not uh, be inundated with all the stuff that we normally deal with, you know, Twitter and Facebook and friends calling and responsibility and all that stuff, but to just get out of that context where it was just us in a beautiful setting where we literally had hours every day to talk and uh, to kind of excavate one another's hearts and find out what was in there and what were you thinking about now and what do you want to accomplish this next year yourself. And my, my wife has just in the last uh, two years has taken up painting. And so she painted a lot while we were there. And, and I'm an amateur photographer, so I took a bunch of online courses on photography and we would share what we'd created when we got together for, for dinner. And I, I don't know, I just, I, I just love the fact that that was something that wasn't work-related and, and, and yet was so valuable, um, where I felt so connected to it. In fact, it was so good. We're going to do it again next year. Very cool. Where are you guys going? We're actually going to go to uh, Prince Edward Island in Eastern Canada. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll, I'll get to hear about that and you'll post pictures <laughs> on it when you're done, not during it. Uh, yes. <laughs> very cool. Okay. Um, and do you feel gratitude is an important thing to express in order to achieve your goals? Oh, I think it's so important. You know, I think that until we, until we practice gratitude, we will plan and set goals out of a mindset of scarcity. Hmm. And it's much better if we can set that out of a, a perspective of, of abundance. You know, we're not going to get more of what we don't have until we've learned to be thankful for what we do have. Amen. And, you know, it's all around us. I mean, I, I just, all of us, I don't care if you're, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're living at least in, in America, and even if you're not, you know, I mean, I've been to Ethiopia and a lot of places in Africa and, you know, anybody in this country, most people in this country, you know, have it pretty well off. Yeah, um, exactly. And certainly anybody listening to this podcast, but to be thankful for what we have, even if, even if it's not much, I think is so, so hugely important uh, to our level of satisfaction and to attracting more stuff. People can smell it on you when you're desperate, you know, when you're, when you're operating out of scarcity. And when you operate out of abundance, and that comes through the practice of gratitude, you know, that attracts people. I think it's very compelling. Mm, I love that. Thanks for that answer. Well, I want to wrap it up with the final question before I do. Uh, when I let everyone know, I'm going to have a link on the show notes here. I'll let you guys know what that link is in just a second for five days to your best year ever. And I'm actually going to be going through this as well with people. So, uh, you know, make sure to sign up for this program five days to your best year ever. You know, after listening to you share more about it, it's like, you know, I've, I feel like I have a pretty good goal setting process for myself, but it's like, I want to go through this now to make sure that I'm really uh, setting myself up to win for all of 2015. And, you know, and this obviously isn't something you don't have to do just at the end of the year. It's something you could probably do at any time in transition or uh, whatever it may be. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you don't need to just do this in the month of December and it's not too late if you're in January or February. So right. uh, ma make sure to check this out. We'll have a link in the show notes as well. I'll let you guys know what that is, but definitely get this course. There's a free video series right now. So check it out. They're, they're incredible and I uh, highly recommend it. Michael, I want to, before I ask you the final question, I want to acknowledge you for your incredible gift in the world. You stand for what is the word you stand for grace and there are not too many men that I would use that word with, but you 
are so graceful in your wisdom and in your flow. Every single time you put something out, uh, every time I hear you speak, every time we talk, you you flow so beautifully and you still have uh, you know this presence about you that is confident and you're such a powerful leader. I just want to acknowledge you for Thank you. your incredible vision and everything you've created in your life so far to serve the world and your vision for the world moving forward. Thank you for all that you do. Well, that means the world to me. Thank you. Final question. It's what I ask all my guests, and it's what's your definition of greatness? Yeah, I think my definition of, of greatness um, is helping as many people as I possibly can achieve their dreams. I think if if I do that, then I'll achieve my dream and I'll be happy and successful. Um, so that's what I, that's why I get up in the morning. That's what keeps me going, uh, when I want to quit, but is helping other people achieve what is most important to them and really being focused on the things that are most important. Hmm. Thank you so much, Michael Highland. I appreciate you for coming on and, uh, can't wait to connect and do more fun things in the future. Thanks, Lewis. Appreciate you. Oh man, there's so much good information in that. I don't even know (laughs) what the best way is to summarize all that good content. Um, just one quick thing that I just thought was interesting and tied into something else we talked about um, a, a few episodes back. It was counterfactuals. So it was interesting to me how he mentioned that his father was an alcoholic and that was one of the reasons that he succeeded. Um, whereas you often hear that other people who have alcoholic fathers, that's one of the reasons that they fail. So, you know, similar circumstances, one succeed and one fails. It's just interesting the mindset of the counterfactual as to the same circumstance can lead to completely different results. Uh, I've actually even heard where, you know, this, the same children of the same father who was an alcoholic, one, one used that as an excuse to succeed and one used it as an excuse to fail. And um, it's just amazing the the power of one's mindset and how that can affect one's life. But uh, that's a just a, a side note. So back to the, the main topic of goals. Uh, hopefully you got a lot out of those clips. Uh, again, it was a whole bunch of different ways to say what? Write down your goal. Make a plan. So with that, we are coming to a close for this episode. So here is your hack homework. A uh, little unique this time, I want you to go out to Google. I want you to Google how to set a goal, and then I want you to read an article or two. Uh, The reason I want you to do that is because hopefully you'll be at or near a desk and you can write a couple things down, uh, what the article says, and, and see what that article says and what that article has in common with some of the things you heard on today's show. Uh, but your most basic format, and this is part of your homework, I want you to write down your goals. And I really, really want you to write down the potential obstacles that you would face when striving for that goal. And then the third component of that is I want you to specifically write at least one goal for each of the five F's. So I want you to have a goal about your family. I want you to have a goal to, um, you know, increase your friendships, uh, which could be as simple as just going out to lunch with people that you care about and haven't seen in a while. 
Uh, I want you to have a goal about your finances or your job or your money situation. I want you to have a goal about your faith or your ultimate purpose. I really want you to do some self-reflection. Really, really continue to think about the why of all of this. And then finally, I want you to have a fitness goal that you write down, which is actually going to be the topic of the next show fitness hacks so that is a really really critical point and um, guess what if you do that you'll be like in the upper like two or three percent of the country (laughs) those who write down goals and write a plan are in such a minority and it's staggering because everyone seems to know that that it's a good thing I mean once a year people seem to think that hey this this is a good idea but if you can write it down and and write a plan, you have taken a huge step toward being in the upper echelon of successful people. And I think that's about it for now. The only book was really mentioned was Start, which we've already mentioned before. But hey, it's a great book, man. Go out and give it a listen. And that's it. And we will talk to you guys next time. Take care. Thanks for listening. We hope you found a few nuggets of wisdom that you can apply to your life. Until next time, take action, keep hacking and stacking your way to success.